This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Goal. Go Hayes. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, a happy Friday to everybody out there, A's fans and baseball fans, as we have another edition of A's Cast Live for you. We have a phenomenal show. Eno Saris, our national baseball columnist, is going to join us from The Athletic. The A's have actually made some top ten lists. So, okay, we'll get into that. Uh, We'll get you ready for spring training. Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic. Of course, she does a tremendous job covering the A's minor league system. And I'm not so much at this point interested in the future future. I'm kind of like you. I'm interested in what do we got now? Three years from now, four years from now, that's not going to do me any good. I need to know who's helping this year, legitly. And we know some of the names. Like, I'm sure we're going to hear Geloff's name. We've been hearing that. Soderstrom, we've been hearing that. But what can we really expect from certain guys? I can tell you one guy that I've been high on ever since we saw him was Capel. I think Capel is is somebody that can compete at this level. He needed a shot. He didn't get a shot in St. Louis. This Noda kid that we got in the Rule 5 draft from the Dodgers, well, he's blocked. They got this guy, um, Freddie. Uh, Freddie, have you heard Tarnick. of him? Huh? Tarnick. You're talking about the pitcher from Atlanta, right? No. Talking about Noda's blocked by someone named Freddie. Oh, uh, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman. Way, he's a, he's a nice way little Way to player. stick with the show. He's a nice little player. Yeah, Freddie Freeman, I think he's going to make it. Uh, did you hear the ridiculous comments from the Colorado Rockies owner? Not Wait. that we like to get on fellow owners. Uh, you mean the comment that he thinks they can play 500 ball? Well, he starts talking about, well, if you took Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman away from the Dodgers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was kind of a weird comment. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, yeah, if you take Steph Curry and Clay Thompson off the Warriors, I don't think they're going to be as good. Oh really, Einstein? Is that is that is that how you is that? Uh, you know you know what? I, 
that's a comment to bother you. The, the, the him saying, "I think we can play 500 ball," bothered me a little more. <laughs> if if he look, well, they like the school districts in Colorado. Everybody <laughs> likes the school districts. So so you're telling me if we scouted the National League West, if you took Manny Machado off of the Padres, you take your buddy Nando, Mister Ringworm. Take Juan Soto, who you think is the greatest player of all time. You take all these guys off their team. Are they going to be as good? No, probably not. So, I don't even know what Giants word we go with. I know. I, I hear- saw your boy Buster Posey down at the AT&T. I heard Farhan say something. I don't know if I texted you. I heard Far- Farhan say something in an interview. If you take that- Carlos Correa off the Giants? <laughs> All right. Too, he, no, too soon. He he they he goes. We have three guys that hit thirty home runs before, and we think they can do it again. Who? Uh, Con- Hanniger, Conforto, and Hanniger can't stay healthy. Those are two of them. And the other guy was. Wait a minute. Hanniger and Conforto last year combined for fifty-seven games. Yeah, that was that was. Mid- and it was all, all Mitch. Han- it was all Hanniger. Yeah. By the way, Mitch Hanniger now a friend of the program because that uh, the Santa Clara baseball banquet. Santa Clara County Baseball Banquet that has all the Giants and A's and everybody from around um, Stanford, Santa Clara, San Jose State, everybody's there. Uh, Mitch Hanniger was honored, pride of the South Bay here. So we will have Mitch Hanniger on the program this year because I'm now – and also Jock Peterson and Jock I are was, now. Jock's the other guy that hit 30 home runs in here. But none of them got – none of everyone with the Giants. The last Giant to do it was Barry Bonds, obviously, forever ago. They haven't had a 30 home run hitter since Barry Bonds. And Farhan thinks they got three guys that could do it. What year was Barry Bonds last year? 2007. Was it really that long ago? Let's double check. Because they have an incredible stat going. And I think it'll break this year because they're playing the Yankees, but Garrett Cole most likely will start opening day for them. Well, yeah, hold on, think about it. Ten years, right? So that'd be 2017. His last year was 18, 2007. 19, 20, 21, 22. This is 16, 16 years ago. Yeah. Because he was on the ballot for 15 years, right? He yeah. weren't, Wasn't his group still the group, him, Clemens, they got 15 years. Now guys only get 10. Or yeah. was Clemens on the I think, ten, I, think they they were the I think they were only 10 also. They are only 10. Because So Bonds hit, Bonds hit 45 home runs in 2004. That was the last time a Giant hit 30 home runs in a season. That was almost 20 years ago. They also have had a different left. Well, the only guy we've had is Chris Davis. I mean, it's not that shocking. Uh, they've also had... A different left fielder. Well, we had Chapman and Olsen. Let me take that back. Chapman and Olsen at over. I feel like there's there was another. Didn't Frank Thomas hit thirty home runs since Barry Bonds did that? Oh six. That was oh six. Bonds did in 04. That's a long time ago. I know, but I'm just saying, like that's a. Anyway, the Giants have had a different starting left fielder every year since Bonds left in 07. This is the first year they'll break that streak, I think, because Jock most likely will start back to back opening days for them against Garrett Cole when they face the Yankees. I'll put money on it no one for no one in a Giants uniform hits 30 bombs. I'll take you up on that. I think you're right. I, yeah, I, I would put, you know what, and if I lose, I lose. But I, I like, I, I think I think I'd probably be, you know, I'd probably have to, if I wanted to win 100, I'd probably have to pay like 110 to win my 100 back. I think I'd be the favorite on that. By the way, if you notice today, I am wearing my all, is this Kelly Green? Yeah, it looks Kelly Green. This is Pebble Beach Green. I am wearing my all Pebble Beach outfit in honor of the AT&T. As I was down at Pebble Beach yesterday, if you are, if you love beautiful scenery, they say it's the greatest meeting of land and sea in the United States and the world. That nowhere in the world, land and sea, where you have this beautiful forest 
where there's all these forest animals, deer everywhere. I mean, there's all that. The forest goes right down to the most beautiful coastline where you can see whales migrating, seals everywhere. I'm telling you, if you live in the Bay Area, you must go down to Pebble Beach, pay the $17 or whatever the hell it is to do the 17-mile drive. It is worth it. It is beautiful. If you can go to the golf tournament, they play on three different courses, Pebble Beach, um, Spyglass, and Monterey Peninsula Country Club. I mean, you're seeing the best coastline, arguably, in the world. Whether you like golf or not, just to go down there and be down there, it's absolutely gorgeous. Going on, I'm going to be there again on Sunday. I was there yesterday. So they predicted wins yesterday, and they didn't show up to, like, the last hour. And let me tell you something. It was roaring like 30 miles an hour. It was great. I mean, it was like a beautiful day, right? Sun kind of popped in, didn't, you know, it was hazy, but wasn't hot. You know, you had a little jacket on, you're feeling good. And then the last hour and a half, Cody, 30 mile coming. I was right out there by the famous number seven, par three, and it's just howling. And these guys are screwed, right? You can't yeah. play. I mean, I mean, the, the, the last guys, were they were they were done. But have you ever been down there? Uh, I've been there, but I've never been the actual. Like, I've been on seven, some 17-mile drive, but I've never been to Pebble. Yeah, you don't have to. I mean, I'm just saying you have to go to Pebble Beach. You just got to do the 17-mile drive, and it's some of the most beautiful coast. Uh, and there's so many different places to stop, take pictures. And, I mean, it literally is one of the most beautiful spots in the world. It's just not, it's just not us being Northern California Homer people. I mean, really, it's as all these people will embark on the Monterey Peninsula this week, you know, the PGA Tour, people come here, live all – people from the tour normally live in Florida and Arizona, and they come here and they're like, yeah, this is the most beautiful spot. You can't – it's priceless. I mean, what we have, it's one of the gems. I know from our house in San Jose, it takes an hour and 15 minutes to go to literally one of the most beautiful spots on the planet. It's unbelievable. I've been to Spanish Bay. After we got married, Spanish we Bay went to is Spanish owned Bay. by Pebble Beach. Yeah, it's we part we of the Pebble Beach Company. Spanish Spanish Bay was really nice. The bagpiper came. There was an engagement. Yeah. I, actually, I think it was the bagpiper's you can't, you can't daughter got engaged. Christmas time, either at Pebble Beach Lodge or Spanish Bay. They got the trees. It's all lit up. It's like, man, this is how the rich people live, Cody. It's how the rich people live. I'm not there. My wife's rich. I'm not rich. So I'm decked out today in my Pebble Beach gear in honor of the tournament. Which athlete looked the best down there? Uh, I did yell out to Aaron Rodgers. We'll see in Las Vegas next year. Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I saw him. Um, Josh Allen was there. Josh so. Allen. Said, so they're all the celebrity group is all one after another. Josh Allen. I got to tell you this. Josh Allen, for a man his size, when you stand next to him, that's the cool thing about going to the tournament. You got all the celebrities, but you got the athletes. Josh Allen, for a man his size, to think of the way he runs with the football, he's a monster. He is – he because we didn't get to see him. If you remember back, it was a big deal he was – for you college football fans, he was coming to the Bay Area to play San Jose State, and he was hurt. Spartans took him down. My Spartans and I was there. We say we beat Josh Allen, but who's going to check the box score? <laughs> he didn't play in the game. But this was, you know, this kid was coming to town, and you're like, hey, this guy could be a number one draft pick. You know, you got to watch this guy play. He was hurt. We didn't see it. But when you stand up next to him at Pebble Beach and he's golfing, 
He is a big dude. And, I mean, thick neck, big shoulders, and the way he runs, the way he runs the football against linebackers and safeties and stuff, man, big respect. And and it's funny. You go down to Pebble Beach, you follow Josh Allen, you see nothing but Bills jerseys. The Bills <laughs> Mafia is down there following him. You can see it's on Golf Channel right now. You'll see it. Um, yeah, so a lot of the uh, – Saw a lot of the celebs, saw a lot of the QBs, but uh, future Raider quarterback Aaron Rodgers, not Niner quarterback. Yeah, he already said no, he's not joining the Niners. Future Raider quarterback Aaron Rodgers is playing down at Pebble Beach right now. I, I yelled at him. We'll see in Vegas. Did you see Derek Carr's comment last night, speaking of Raiders? No. They asked Derek Carr because he was in the Pro Bowl skills competition. Oh, my God. And they asked him, uh, have you ever been that hot before in Vegas? He goes, I guess not because that's why I'm going somewhere else next year. It was pretty good. It was a pretty good joke. Yeah, if you want to talk about an event that's jumped the shark, let's start talking about the Pro Bowl. Tyler Huntley is, an all, is a Pro Bowl quarterback. He threw two touchdowns this year. I mean, we're playing flag football. And it's, it's, it's you got Peyton and Eli there, so there's that. Uh, on the way back from Pebble Beach last night, I heard a very interesting conversation, and it, it got me thinking. I, I, I totally forgot about this. And... You know, you have on here on our playbook today about extensions. You know, and everybody's into extensions now. Let's sign these guys up. Let's get, you know, because you think you may be getting a better deal, right? It's like I'm going to – it's like in business. I'm going to sign a bad deal, but this is going to keep me from signing a really bad deal. Like Xander Bogarts is a great example. No offense to Xander Bogarts. Good player. But the Red Sox, ideally, should have inked him up years ago. So you could have got him at a bad extension, and that would have kept you from having to sign him to a horrible extension, which has now been passed on to a horrible contract to the Padres, right? Correct. I mean, clearly you have general managers who are operating under the auspices that I'm not going to be here in five years. You know, the Billy Beans and Brian Cashman's of the world, David Forrest, who's now been, I'm going to predict David Forrest has been in the organization for 24 years. Yeah, he started. God, Look it up. Twenty. I'm going to say David Forrest, general manager, Oakland Athletics. This is year 24. I don't know what year it is, GM. Probably like five, six. Well, there, was an article, there was an article written about him in the Crimson in Harvard. 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 It's Harvard. Uh, in 2000, Forrest sent his resume to teams and was hired by the Oakland A's as a scout. So 23 years. 23 years I was one off, right? 23 years. Like, that's not normal. A lot of these guys are operating like, hey, listen, what do I? I sign this guy, take take player X. I sign him to a bad deal. It's an 11-year deal. I'm clearly doing it for luxury tax purposes because the idea around this is that 13 years or 11 years from now, this 28, however it works out per year, whatever I'm paying him now is going to be nothing. Like they're banking on that, the next generation of players, they're going to sign for $40 million a year. Now, we've seen it like a Trevor Bauer contract, but we're talking 
$40 million a year in a long-term deal. Not short-term deal, long-term deal. There's going to be a $50 million player. That's just that's coming. Yeah, it's going to be Otani. I don't know, but I'm talking. I hear where you're going, but follow me here. Yeah. This is what what they're viewing is the next generations, the wealth, the payment, where the game's going. Paying a guy now like Xander Bogart seems crazy, but eight years from now, if he's making what's he making twenty six, twenty seven million a year, yeah, it was an eleven year deal for like two eighty. That's not. That won't be a lot of money because you got dudes that are making fifty-five million a year, fifty-two million a year. That's what they're banking on, and that's technically against the spirit of the rule of the CBA and the luxury tax. They didn't want this to happen, but it's happening. What are you going to do about it, baseball? We'll see. But the point is, I was listening to this. To this, they were talking about some guys, and the guy they brought up was Manny Machado, and Manny Machado is a guy that. When he signed his deal, he was 26. When he and Bryce Harper signed those deals, they were 26 years old. What did we say? I like the deals because you're buying up the prime of their of their careers. Bryce Harper said, I'm all in. I don't need an opt-out. I'm all in. 13 years, right? It was his 13 years? Yeah, 13. And he was all in. There's no opt-out, no trade, nothing. He He's a Philly for 13 years. Manny Machado, though, has an opt-out after this year. And he's, it was like, oh, wow. He's, what, 30 now, I think? He will be 31 next year. You're going to double down. You gave him a $300 million contract. He has another good year. He opts out. Are you now going to re-up his deal a la, remember when this happened in baseball history and how bad it failed? Who was a player in a monster contract, it was the biggest contract of hey, all time, and opted out. Yankees said at that time, we will not, if I'm correct here, I think I am, Yankees said we. if he opts out, we will not negotiate with him. And, of course, they did, and they gave him, the, the, they gave him even a bigger deal, and it turned out to be a disaster. This is what you have to really guard against. Manny... Thanks for everything. You've been great. We've turned the franchise around. You now want to pay him? You now want to get into the kind of extension you never wanted to get in? You were cool giving him all those years and money at 26. Now you're going to do it when he's turning 31? It's not a good move. The only thing I can see them doing is maybe give him a smaller deal for more AAV. So what? But he's not going to want to get a smaller deal because he already has – it was a 10-year deal – He's already going to hang out. He has a smaller deal in hand. He's opting out of a smaller deal. He wants years. He wants money. I got to get paid. I agree. I get what you're saying. I I know. It's like I was thinking, like, if he's going to be 31, you give him like a six or seven year deal for like $200 million or something, or or 200 plus. And then the AAV is still very high, or even give him more so he tops what he's making now, but you have him on less years. And maybe there's an opt-out or a team option or something in there. But he, he's a, he might be the biggest free agent this offseason, right, this upcoming year, if, if he opts out, which most likely he will. Bigger I'm, than Otani? Uh, oh, yeah, Otani. Forgot about Otani. Yeah, Otani will be number one. And then him. Soto, too. Isn't Soto a free agent? No, Soto's 2024. Okay, so the, we'll be talking about him the following year. So, yeah, it'll be Otani and him. I, 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 I actually like that people are finally recognizing what we recognized here. Slow down on the Juan Soto. Is anybody really going to, after watching the way he played, you really going to rush out to give him a long-term deal right now? Doesn't he have to, like, 
put up some real numbers next year to make you think, okay, because he was downright awful. It wasn't like he was mediocre. He was bad last year in San Diego. When he got to that trade and, like, this was the big deal, the big trade, and A.J. Preller, oh, my God. Do you remember that? Yeah, he wasn't. He did not. He did not. I mean, I I think there has to be a little pause, like, before I say, because what, what's interesting about Juan Soto, he's turned down, allegedly, agents, Nats, leaks, whoever. He supposed he's already turned down $420 million. Or four hundred twenty-five. Yeah, uh, somewhere around there. Four. So somewhere in there. So if he's turned down four hundred and twenty million already, you know where the price starts. Anything did you see last year said four hundred and twenty million, largest investment in the his. Well, Trout's four thirty-five. Correct. And Mookie's. What was Mookie's? He's three something. Yeah. Trout's so Trout, only four hundred. Yeah. Yes. But Trout's is Trout's is different because Trout he already had a deal. That deal morphed into this deal, so it was already money that you're talking about. You're really committing four hundred something million dollars in Juan Soto. Four hundred, four hundred something. See, with Trout, he had that extension already. You were morphing stuff into a contract already, and came up with this fancy number of like four thirty-five. I think it was. Well, there was already money that was there. This wasn't like Trout. Here's four thirty-five. This for Soto will be here's 435. Here's 450. Here's 500. You're going to have to come up with that cash. I think there was an article for this year about uh, it was like every war, every team's best player based on war for this upcoming season. And I'm going to see if I have it on the on the playbook still. Um, in the actual article, yeah. I think they had Juan Soto having the highest war of any player in baseball this year. There's still the belief. I mean, there's. St- I mean, everybody still is bullish on the kid. Like they, ju- Judge, six point nine. They try and compare him to Ted Williams with the number, the, the walks that you got. You're not going to have anything else. You're not going to have dingers. You're not going to have RBIs. You're not going to have doubles. The only stat that you can actually talk Juan Soto with is, and Ted Williams is walks. Remember when I brought that up to Mike Petriello? I said, you know. Ted Williams at this age was hitting 340, and he goes, nobody does that anymore. I went, well, when Mookie Betts won the MVP, he hit like 320-something. Yeah. So I'm not so sure about that. Uh, sorry. Um, Otani's at 7.5, one set of second at 7.1. Well, you can't. That's you, his projected war. That's not apples to apples. So, but they essentially have one set as the highest position player. Well, I'm right. saying apples to apples. You can't – if you're if – you're, Otani's uh, batting war was – let me scroll back Yeah, up if you're counting pitcher and hitter and that's what he is, you can't compare that to other players. That's not fair. Uh, Otani's hitting would be 3.1, Yeah. so 4.4. So, yeah, so Juan Soto is going to have – they projected – MLB.com projected higher war than the reigning AL MVP who had 62 home runs last year. Good luck. Good luck with that with Juan Soto. Let's, okay. let's just see. Let's just see. Uh, quickly, I want to address – uh, before we go get to Eno Saris, how much time do we have? Uh, I don't need much. About seven, for if you, unless you want to break before. Yeah, we'll break before. Um, obviously, a press conference yesterday out at the Coliseum where we're talking about a potential development at the Coliseum site. 
African American Sports Entertainment Group, right? A A S E G. And the city Correct. want to uh, are getting into a deal. The city owns half, the A's own half. I'm not going to get into all the different things that entails. But I, I read the Chronicle article and it made me think of one thing. You know, you got to realize, folks, that some of us have been around this a long time. I sent you an article, an old article from the San Jose Mercury yeah, News. I was checking it out. A timeline that had stuff from 09, 10, uh, 2011, all the way up to 2013 with the A's and Fremont to San Jose. Some of us have been around this a long time. And some of us, I'll say proudly, have not believed everything we hear. We as human beings, we gravitate to what we want to hear and what we want to believe. We do it. It's kind of like a, 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 a fault that we have. I'm not a therapist, psychiatrist, or a person who studies mankind, so I'm not going to act like. But there is something about people gravitate to what they like. Or what they want to hear. People do it in politics. They do it in work. They do it, you know. There's just certain things you like. And and I've noticed that over the years. Is that you can, you can have somebody come in and talk about and say things that you like. And you're going to gravitate to, I'm going to believe it. I want to believe it. I want it to happen. I want it to be this. And it is dangerous. It really is. And when I read, I once again, I was at Pebble Beach yesterday. I didn't get to see the press conferences. Uh, I just know that a lot of, you know, the mayor was there. City council members were there. You know what they're going to say. You know how politicians act. I get it. Um, but it me, it immediately made me think, and it just shows how history repeats itself. History always repeats itself. Did you ever have a history teacher tell you that, Cody? Yes, all the time. Yeah. History repeats itself. And the first thing I thought about with this African-American sports entertainment group, A-A-S-E-G, I'm getting that right, right? Yes. Um, Floyd Kephart. Remember Floyd Kephart? Remember Floyd Kephart was this unknown guy developer from San Diego who entered our lives out of nowhere. And who loved him? The Chronicle. Floyd Kephart, oh my God, he's going to build a, he's going to build a Coliseum City. Very much like what we just heard. There's going to be a convention center. There's going to be, well, this one was grand. This was, this was an A stadium, a Raider stadium. Across the freeway was going to be, uh, 880 was going to be the Warriors' new arena. Remember Don Canas? Remember how big Don Canas was back in the day with uh, Don Canas was, uh, Clorox was going to save everybody? And we had press conferences with Don Canas. I interviewed Don Canas on 95.7 The Game. I interviewed Floyd Kephart on 95.7 The Game. I interviewed all these people, these saviors. How'd that all work out? It didn't. So I'll just say, I'm not against anybody for anybody. I don't, I, I, I'm just, 
when I hear convention centers and I hear about all this stuff and I hear I just I, I, I immediately read this article and I just went, this is this this is like almost like the exact same thing, like just repackaged. This is like Floyd Kephart repackaged all over again. Yeah, I remember that vaguely because that was when I like first got into the industry back when the Kephart stuff was going. Yeah, on. I mean, a lot of you may not even know that. Go, go, Google Floyd Kephart in Oakland. Yeah, there, all oh, the city loved him. Everybody, you know, there was there was all this kind of stuff, and it's like, wow, here we go again. Like you know, at some point, at some point, you want to see the Coliseum site totally redeveloped. I mean, they built this thing in 1966. We have not had redevelopment at the site since 1966. You've had since 1966 to redevelop it. Correct. Right? You've had since 19... You have a city, you have a county, you've had since 1966 to develop it. 1966 was a long time ago. Neither of us were alive. Most people watching this today, most people listening today weren't alive. They've had that long to redevelop. It will, hopefully, at some point. Hopefully, it's done correctly. Hopefully, it's something that benefits East Oakland. Hopefully, it's something great. But whenever I see Chronicle, endorse, you know, I'm not going to say they endorsed it, but it was a glowing article. Then you have the politicians, and you have the press conference, and you have all of that. I just, I go, wow, I've lived this. It's called Floyd Kephart. It's called Don Canas. And we'll see. Long, I mean, We'll see. I I will tell you once again, I had a great conversation at Plank about the A's and Howard Terminal. I had a great conversation when we were at Plank for Spirit Week. Fee-free Friday at Plank and all the giveaways and everything. Remember, single-game tickets are on sale now. Athletics.com slash tickets. If you want to get the tickets opening day. Um, any How about giveaways? for spring training? Those are those are out there too. I think it's athletics.com slash spring. Um, we have commercial spots for that. Oh, that's coming up soon. First game's twenty fifth. What is that? Uh, what's today? Today's the thir- fourth, third. Today's the, the third. Because yesterday was Groundhog Day. Yeah. So we got like twenty two days till spring training. First game starts Saturday the twenty. Today is the third, yes. according to my phone. Yeah. So um, three weeks from tomorrow, I think is our first game, right? Yeah, three, three or four. I don't know. Twenty fifth. When do we report? Uh, the players report, I think pitchers and catchers are the 15th, so that would be Wednesday. Wow, usually it's like the 12th or 13th. They'll probably give them Valentine's Day, then they go. They oh, Valentine's Day, the worst holiday in the history of the United States of America. It's a made-up. Fabricated hall- holiday. Ma- hallmark. <laughs> That's all it is, a hallmark made-up holiday. I don't, don't, single young guys, whatever you do, little tip from Townie here, don't ever get sucked into Valentine's Day. Don't do it. Because you're setting yourself up for failure. If you go all out, you're dating somebody, you go all out, you go restaurant, you go flowers, you go candy, you go, I I can't even, teddy bears, I mean, really. You go all out, you're setting that expectation that this is how it's going to be. You're setting that expectation. Do not do it. Whatever you do, do not. You know what? Hey, listen. Why don't we make a meal together? We can be in love together. We'll make a meal together. I don't need to buy a $7. And I'm not cheap. I have no problem spending money. I love spending money. But on this holiday, 
where they're going to gouge you at every restaurant. They're going to gouge you for flowers. They're going to gouge you. Someone who loves you, someone who really loves you, wouldn't want you to do that. No. My wife doesn't really care about Valentine's Day. What's I haven't. I, I, I don't think I ever really did Valentine's Day. Well, my wife's birthday is a week after Valentine's Day, or 11 days after, so we don't really celebrate it because I have to go off for her birthday. Well, I, I mean, it's already like, to me, it's like, it's like you know, there's Mother's Day. You, you know what my line is on Mother's Day, right? No. You never heard my line on I'm Mother's sure, Day? I'm sure, but I just don't remember what it is. Why do I have to celebrate my wife on Mother's Day? She's not my mother. Yeah. That's what that's what the kids are for. And then you you know what Father's Day is, right? Uh, Mother's Day Part Two. It's Mother's Day Part Two. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Speaking of Valentine's Day, when you think warm and fuzzy, can we play the man's open, please? The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit FieldworkBrewing.com. You know, how long have you been married? Uh, <laughs> I had to think for a second. 15 years. You guys don't celebrate Valentine's Day, right? Well, uh, we got married on the Thursday after, uh, or the we got married two days after Valentine's Day. Or it, it usually works out to two days after Valentine's Day. So we just, we celebrate our anniversary. And yeah. yes, we do it. We do it around the same time. So we... But we don't have to do it on the same day, so we don't have to spend all that money at the restaurant. And stuff. Thank you. I'm trying to give educational tips here on Ace Cast for these <laughs> kids, saying if she truly loves you, she would not expect some grandiose type of deal that, you know what, you could cook together and be in love. You don't have to go out and spend all that money. Valentine's Day, is it's, it's a made-up Hallmark holiday. It's a fraud. I have a hard time shopping for her anyway. She's very, she has very distinct tastes. So I have to. I took a chance this year. I don't usually uh, even buy her that much. Yeah, usually we go out to eat or I cook her something special. But uh, this year, I actually went and bought some stuff, and we'll see how it goes. Well, the A's have been making a bunch of top ten lists lately. I we were uh, top ten. Coliseum was second worst ballpark. Top ten in uh, baseball, <laughs> next to the Trop. Uh, you sent out a doozy that uh, we're in the top ten of pitchers least likely to get hurt. That's a positive. And got a ton of pitchers too. We got a lot of pitchers. And and you know what? Wouldn't you say in the world that we're in, where we know you're going to use a lot of you're going to use a lot of 
just not starting pitchers. I know we talked a lot about that last year. You're just going to use a boatload of pitchers. I mean, mm-hmm. the team that's probably been the most successful at it has been the Rays, and they shuffle guys back and forth from AAA like it's like like you're doing the shuttle from the Disneyland Hotel to Disneyland. So it's like, yeah. I mean, you, the good thing you can't me, have too much pitching. Exact having a bunch of good pitchers is a good thing. Yeah, the the average team uses seven heavily and uh, ten starting pitchers over the course of the season. And that's the average team. I mean, some teams are out there using 12 and 15. Yeah, that that's – it's crazy, but that's that's where we are. And depth is really so key. So now that we're sitting here on the third and you start to get the what's – getting, what's getting your juices going? What's getting you fired up? As you know, pitchers and catchers, spring training right around the corner. Yeah, I've been doing uh, a lot. We talked about this on last year, last week's show, the sort of 80th and 20th percentiles, because I think it's a fun way to capitalize on the fact that we're all, um, you know, kind of uh, optimistic right now. You know, like spring is when you're like, yeah, yeah, we still have a chance. You know, August is uh, when we get depressed, you know, so. Uh, 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 or it could be uh, July. Could be and, July, and my also, friend. <laughs> you know, it's also just like it's the it's the time of progress prognostication. Mostly the moves are done. You know, it's not so much a, about who you might sign anymore. You know, it's like there's not that much, uh, not that many guys out there to sign. So now it's more about who's going to be good. Who on like for if you're a team like the A's, who's going to step forward? Uh, and if you're a you know if you're a team uh, like the Padres or something, like how good can they be? You know, so it's a real time to kind of look forward, trying to make the right guesses, and uh, it's a fun time of the year, I think. You know, for example, um, you know over at Fangraphs, there was the uh, Ben Clemens did some research, and he was looking at you know we have this thing called maximum exit velocity, right? It's like the just the hardest you hit the ball, you know. And I think it really ports over to a scouting idea, which was raw power, right? So I think, you know, if you've hit the ball 120 miles per hour, you have good raw power. Maybe you hit into the ground. Maybe you need to unlock that raw power, but you have good raw power. Um, So he used maximum exit velocity and then actual results um, to to kind of try and find players that broke out by basically tapping into their raw power more. And Dermis Garcia made the list. Uh, he, he found a way that was predictive in the past that uh, that that predicted bl- uh, breakouts and other guys on the list are like O'Neill Cruz, for example, you know, guys with uh, with tons of power that pretty obviously could tap into it. But, uh, you know, like Jesus Sanchez on the on the Marlins. It's a it's a fun list. And Dermis Garcia is on the list. And basically what the article was saying was if Dermis uh, and players like him can improve the contact rate at all. Uh, there's a real chance for breaking out. That's uh, maybe obvious to anybody who watched Dermis last year. I mean, he yeah. struck out 44% of the time. But I think this is saying, even if he only strikes out 33% of the time, you know, that may not seem like that. that's enough. But that might be enough for him to really tap into the power. And if you look in the minors, he did have some really kind of eye-popping numbers. In 2021, 31 homers in double a for uh, for the yankees and 443 plate appearances so you know we're talking about a guy that may never hit for a good batting average but if he can strike out 33 percent of the time 30 percent of the time 30 even 35 percent of the time he might be a guy who can hit 200 with 30 homers um and that you know it's not the prettiest uh collection of 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 skills 
but it is something that the A's could use. We got a flawed system going right now with teaching. We really do. You guys did a great job, the athletic, talking about how hitting coaches, it's like a horrible job. And, you know, we are. Already... That's a good piece by Cody Stavenhagen. Yeah. yeah. The average tenure is, is under two years. So it's a joke. Basically, right? you're getting a new hitting coach every year. Yeah. So it's like, you know, here I am as a professional, and you want me to trust this guy. You want me to trust him. I mean, because there's so much that goes on with being a pitching coach and a hitting coach and, and, and what you go through with these guys and the trust factor and everything. I mean, it's lots of mental, also physical, everything. You also have your, your dad in your ear. And then you have your, your, like your local coach that you work with. Well, in the that's new, year. right? Cause now, and now I understand why wouldn't I have one of those guys? Because I know because that the, guy's going to be there. My hitting right. coach is not going to be there. I know he's going to be right. gone. So, <laughs> so getting back to Dermis and I see that he hits two Oh seven. We've got a problem with approach, lack of making contact. You still got to have the skill of putting the bat on the ball. And the fact that you randomly, because it'd be random, if you're hitting 207, all of a sudden you pop one out and everybody goes, ooh, you need to hit the ball. You need to hit the ball more. What is going on with our teaching of how baseball players hit you have to be able to make contact on a more consistent basis to be successful but who's teaching what how are we teaching it who's in charge a guy I'm working that's a, a guy that's I'm not with a the piece, team versus know, a guy you know, that's like on the team it's fashionable to sort of blame the launch angle swing or whatever um and i'm working on the piece that there's actually some truth to it but it's not i think what people think i think people think that like people have golf swings and uh, and that's why they can't make contact. They have these loopy swings and for power, and that's and that's where the strikeouts come into play. Um, I think, in fact, what it is is um, power lives out in front of the plate, and it, it, you know if you catch the ball out in front of the plate, that's when you pull a homer, right? You get yeah. it out in front of the plate. You got to get the barrel uh, out. You got to get the barrel out, and that's just when like. That's when the barrel is coming up, like in front of the plate, the barrel is coming up, you know, instead of, you know, really back, it's going down in the front of the plate, it's going up a little bit and that catches the ball at just the right angle. Bam, Homer. The best thing in baseball to do is Homer. So if you, and then the other part is the best thing for a pitcher to do is throw it hard. So what's coming to what's happening at this moment is that the hitters have to start earlier. They have to start their swing earlier because the guys are throwing 95 now. The average is up to 93.9. Like we're talking about the average fastball in baseball is 94 miles an hour. So if you need to catch a 94 mile an hour pitch, not not late and serve it into right field. No, that's okay. But you get paid for homers. And so what you need to do is start earlier. And if you start earlier, you're going to mess up. You're going to strike out more. That's where the strikeouts come. It's not necessarily a mechanics of what your barrel is doing in the zone or what your swing looks like. It's about the fact that 95 miles an hour is making us start so early, making the hitters start so early that if they want to hit for power, they're just going to have to strike out a lot. You know, it's so interesting about fastballs is a, we're throwing less fastballs than ever before. Right. And then not all fastballs are equal. Like who was the big um who was the big guy we got from Kansas City last year, the reliever who came in, we got him from the Royals, he threw a hundred and he stunk. Joel Piamps? Was it Piamps? No, no, not Piamps. It was the big dude. I'll look it up. He threw a hundred and yet everybody barreled him. And then you got a guy like Lance Lynn, 
who he doesn't throw 100, and all he does is throw his fastballs. He's successful. So not all fastballs are equal when it comes. You can have a better fastball without it being a higher velocity. It's just for some reason, some guys are tougher to see. So whether you're throwing 94, tougher to see, or you're throwing 100 and everybody's seeing it, barreling it up, all fastballs are not created equal. Off yeah, guns. that's a big part of the the stuff plus research I was doing. It was Tapia, really uh, that's interesting. It. Yeah, remember Tapia? It? Tapia could throw a hundred and he couldn't get oh, anybody yeah. out. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's unfortunate. The fastball shape I think is just as important as uh, as as fastball velocity. Yeah, uh, or maybe just 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 below it. But um, yeah, the, uh, the 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 you got to have ride to get above it, or you got to have tremendous uh, sink to get below it. And uh, and if you're caught in between, basically what happens is the 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 batters are like they're training for they they've seen you the most. If you're the if you have the average fastball, they've seen you the most, right? They can be like, oh, I've seen a hundred guys like this. If you if you're Tyler Rogers coming from underneath. They have to see you a lot before they're like, oh, I know what this is like. You know, imagine seeing Tyler Rogers for the first time. You're just like, what was that? (laughs) So being weird in baseball is better. And that usually means trying to have some ride so it stays up or having tremendous amount of sync. So, yeah, I I, and that is a little part of where teams are separating themselves. And and unfortunately, I'm I'm afraid that um, it's part of uh, where the A's are a little behind. And I know they're they're trying to do some work. Um, I know that uh, Pike Goldschmidt, their the A's uh, R and D guy, um, has now moved into more of a player development aspect, where he's trying to infuse all of their player development work with the kind of R and D findings, you know. Uh, and that's going to be really important for the A's because I think they've fallen behind there. Honestly, they in terms of uh, coaching in the minor leagues and even some of their uh, hitting and pitching coaching in the major leagues. I think that they're bottom third in the league right now. And for all the fans out there, research and data, when you say R&D. R&D, that's research right. Research yeah. and data. Um, yeah. And that's that's something that I think you're going to see. I mean, you, you, you do this with uh, a lot of different franchises. You're re- you do your research. You have your own R&D, and you find out that if you look at the teams that have had the most success, yeah, you can talk about money and they're paying this and paying that, but – there is something about your your R and D. Look at what the Astros have. Look at what the da- look what the Dodgers have. Even Chris Bassett was here and talked about the Mets, how it's far more developed than what he saw with the A's. There's something too. Your R and D department and how you u- utilize it can really help. You know, factor in not only what you're doing at the big league level, but how you're training guys once they get to the big leagues. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's an interesting thing. The the thing that the A's are still good at, I think, is uh, identifying close talent that has a high floor uh, in other organizations and and sort of cherry picking. And the way that that kind of helps them along, even when they uh, don't have their own great player development, is they're kind of snagging players from that have been mostly developed by other teams. Yes, know? we're great at taking other people's. You know, right. <laughs> we find treasures when other organizations, they, they, they may are down on players. We have done a great job ever since really the run started in 2012 of taking other people's players, kind of unknowns. Like when we took Mark Cannon, in the rule five draft, no one was like, wow, that's going to be a great move. Yeah. And then played him in center. 
like I think Milwaukee thought he wasn't uh, a great first baseman, you know, and then you know Oakland was like, no, he can play the outfield, he can play center, and then and then all of his numbers look a lot better, you know, because if you have to be a first baseman, you have to be like ten percent better than the league average of the bat. You have to be a, a really good as a first baseman. But when they as soon as they put Ken on the outfield, you're like, oh yeah, he's pretty good, you know, he was he was a good outfielder, so. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're good at that. That's the thing that's keeping them afloat, but they need to get better at developing their own guys. Um, I think it's been a little while. I mean, we had Chapman and Olsen, but you know, you know, other than that, you're kind of looking for some, some wins internally. So now we're starting, it's February. We're getting our list. We're getting our power rankings, which all this means absolutely nothing, but we all have to, (laughs) we have to play these games. It's kind of like, it's kind of like mock drafts in the NFL. This is my sixth mock draft. This is, you know, it's like, okay, here we go. Um, But when you look at the teams that you believe, what are some of the characteristics of the teams when you say this team is a legit com- uh, contender to win the World Series or maybe the next tier where I, I got to give them a shot. When you look at the upper tier teams, what their characteristics going into spring? You say they got this and that's why I believe. Yeah, I think one of the things that's underrated in terms of uh, in terms of figuring that out is depth. Um, one of the things that I look at beyond just the star power, because I think star power is pretty easy to see that's where we look and we, we say, you know, Oh, the Rangers, DeGrom and Simeon, and you know, that's great. But where the Rangers are lacking is, is in depth. And the reason that the Dodgers uh, have won so many games is they have depth. They have, they have guys that can play multiple positions. They have guys who can cover each other at different positions. In case the worst case scenario happens, they can cover it, you know? So that's something that I look for. And that's why a team like, you know, the Phillies, when they signed Josh Harrison, I think that's great. You know, the, the when the A's sign Josh Harrison or get Josh Harrison, it's to start. You know, when the Phillies do it, it's to back up. It's to, you know, that's that's what you can do when you have a, a ton of money um, is is sign these starting quality players to, to back up. One of the greatest signings that people, uh, I, I think, didn't make sense of when, when it happened was D.G. LeMahieu to the Yankees. Because they said you already have they already have four infielders. Why are they signing DJ LeMahieu? He's gets 500, 600 plate appearances a year. And he hasn't been the most amazing player. But imagine if the A's were so good that DJ LeMahieu was the backup plan. You know? Yeah. And uh and, and so that's something that I think uh, separates separates them. And I think that the the top teams understand that. I mean, the Mets just signed Tommy Pham to be like their fifth outfielder. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that most teams get it, but, uh, a team like the Astros, um, you know, over time, it's over time, they're losing their depth. You know, you need, they need somebody to kind of step forward. Um, I don't know that, uh, I even like their center fielder that much. I don't like their backup center fielder, you know? So it's like they, they're, they, they could be getting to, they could start showing some of the, some of their age and they, they may not be necessarily uh, a number one contender for me for the, for, for, for winning it all this year. All right. They just won it all. Yeah. All right. You got depth. What else? Uh, Yeah. I look for uh, contact rates. I do like teams that, that strike out uh, that don't strike out that much uh, because uh, 
you know, the teams that did strike out last year uh, were, you know, the Angels, the Pirates, uh, the Tigers, the Marlins. Uh, that was that's those are bad teams. So uh, the only good team that that struck out a lot was the Braves. Um, and I think they need to improve on that a little bit. So the the teams that were really good and didn't strike out much, the Mets are up there and the Blue Jays. I love that Blue Jays. The Astros there. never strike out a lot. Yeah, they were second in strikeout rate last year. So that's something they got going for them. So I like, I like, I like that. teams that can, can combine power without striking out. Yeah, I like that. All right. Well, give me a third. No, a third thing. Uh, well, this is the hardest, actually. And um, I, I don't know if you can actually see it ahead of time. Uh, it's It just means a lot in retrospect. But bullpen strength. I mean, we're, we're asking now the bullpen to pitch half of the innings in the game, you know, and yet we kind of spend most of our attention looking at the rotation and looking at who's in the rotation. And if we do talk about the bullpen, we talk about, oh, yeah, they've got a good closer, you know, and, you know, that's good enough. <laughs> but uh, teams with great bullpen depth, uh, I think, uh, are, are great there. So the Guardians. Uh, not only do they have Emmanuel Classe, but they also have James Karinchak, who's a closer level guy. And then they have, uh, you know, a bunch of other guys that nobody ever knows, but they're always good as uh, as relievers, um, you know, as a, as a crew. So I think that that's also part of why the Rays are good every year. They they have so many arms and they're so good that their fourth reliever is a really good reliever. I think it's a great list, and I kind of add. And so when we talk, so like top three things that you just want to look at when you're evaluating your club depth, but the depth is really forty man. It's not your twenty six; it's your forty man. You you got to have a forty man depth. Uh, contact rates you got to strike out less and bullpen strength because yes, every single year we're getting to that point to where it, it like creeps up. It was like forty six point five, then it's forty seven or forty eight percent of all of the innings pitched are by your bullpen. So I like all three of those. I, I think they are good. I think they're good. If you had a surprise team right now that you said, you know. The easiest thing to do is, like, look at your, like, four hitter and, like, oh, yeah, we got, you know, this and this. And yeah, but your four may, hitter and... may get hurt, right? So it's yeah, like exactly. that's where the depth comes in. Is there anybody who you think is sneaky this year? Um, Let me see here. Uh, you know, if you just look at projections right now, it's Yankees, Padres, Braves, Mets, Dodgers. That's Padres that's, don't have a lot of depth. Yeah, I don't. I think they're actually lacking in depth a little bit. Yeah, I would agree with that um, because they had to. You know, Hassan Kim is a great depth piece as a depth piece. If he's now your starting shortstop, it puts a little pressure on like who's your backup shortstop. Like, who, what does that look like? Uh, what happens if Hassan Kim gets hurt? And Tatis is not back yet. Uh-oh. You know, now it starts to look a little bit weird in there. So. Well, this is kind of where the A's have gotten better, too, is that signing a bunch of guys that are not fancy, they've actually improved their depth. Yeah, that's true for sure. Um, I, I think – I don't know if it if it's uh, if it's sneaky enough for you, but um, I do like what the Blue Jays did this offseason um, because, right. you know, it, it – like. They traded away Tasker Hernandez, and you, that like that might not look good, but they really did use the money that they saved in the Tasker Hernandez trade to get better across the, the diamond. And so, you know, they had George Springer in center last year. Kevin Kiermaier and Dalton Varsho in center is going to be a lot better, you know. 
Uh, they had Teoscar Hernandez playing the outfield. I think to me, he's a DH. So now you have Springer in the corner outfield with Dalton Varsho and Whit Merrifield, right? And with Whit Merrifield and Santiago Espinal, they have two guys that can play everywhere on the diamond. Dalton Varsho, their center fielder, can play catcher. They yeah. could have four catchers on the on the on the roster, and and, it, and it's not a bad thing, you know. So they're really set up that they're like two or three deep at every position. Um, they're they're starting pitching. I don't love their starting pitching depth, but they do have some young guys that are stepping up. Um, and they have a sneaky, sneaky good bullpen. And they've added to the bullpen depth. So the only place that I'm nervous about the Blue Jays is really the back end of the rotation. And Chris Bassett as a four, uh, the one thing I believe in with Chris Bassett is innings. You know, I, I don't know exactly how good he'll be away from Oakland and in Toronto and the walls are changing in Toronto. And so there's all this. I don't know exactly how it's going to play. But Bassett is a grinder, dude. I don't know if I there's no other player almost that I would put that word on as much like he's a grinder. Walls are the walls closing in in Toronto. What's happening with the walls? The walls are coming in in places and going out in places and oh, going up now and going that place down. is already it's already a bandbox. Well, they tried to make the walls higher in the places the walls are coming in. So in one place they're coming in ten feet, but they're going the walls are up four feet higher. So I'm sure what they did is try to analyze it so that it would be almost the same as before. The reason they're doing it, and this is actually kind of interesting from a uh, baseball as a business standpoint. They're creating more spaces that are not sitting spaces. And I think that this is the trend in 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 uh, in baseball. Drinking I think space. Let's just call is, it what it is. It's drinking spaces. Yes, it's drinking spaces. <laughs> but also, I think that not I think there's an idea that like not everyone goes to the baseball game the same way. Yeah. Not everyone goes to the baseball game and sits down and faces the field and watches every second. Who started this? Go, the A started it with the treehouse. We were the, the trendsetters. That was a good one. Yeah, it was a good I I always loved the treehouse. I thought that was a really good idea. So yeah, there's there's more and more movement towards that. Spaces that are not just, you know. I'm going to sit you in a seat and point you at the field. It's more about uh, like being in a bar with the baseball game on, except it's the live baseball game. All right, let's end on this. Since we're talking spring, that we need spring is uh, what are we drinking in the spring? How do we, where do we go from your fall? You were heavier in the fall. Now you're going into spring. This is my favorite time of the year for my favorite kind of beer, which is the hazy pale ale. It's a four and a half percent beer. And so it's lighter on the calories and uh, but you can still get the body and it's still nice and tasty. This is uh, this is uh, I, I have a new collaboration coming out that I'll announce soon uh, with another one of these <laughs> four and a half percenters. So you can't contain this man. He's just growing. <laughs> You're like a weed. You just continue this one's, to this grow. One's going, this one's paired with a sandwich. It's a sandwich. Oh, beer my combo. God. Next thing you know, you're going to have a soup and a salad, and you're going to have a beer. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'll have a restaurant. <laughs> you are the best. Let's play. You know what? You know how much you mean to us. We love having you on. You have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. But play the man his, his, uh, <laughs> his closing. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Does your sandwich have like a name? The Knuckleball, baby. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you next week. 
It's pork, of course, right? Oh, I love right, it. See you guys. Oh, Eno's the best. He's getting a sandwich for God's sakes. I need to get a sandwich. No, I don't want a sandwich. He recommended the hop refresher from Lagunitas. I, it's a non-alcoholic beer, but I swear by that. I drink it a couple times a week. No calories, no gluten, no sugar. No, it's just literally a non-alcoholic beer that's like water. It's a hoppy seltzer. But it water. doesn't taste like a beer, right? No, it's just like a hoppy. It has a little bit. You have a little bit of a hop taste, but it's, it's more just like, like a, a seltzer. seltzer. Yeah, it's like a hoppy seltzer. So water. why wouldn't you just drink a seltzer then? Um, I don't know. It's like it was only it's only five bucks for four of them. But why wouldn't you? If you're gonna drink a seltzer, why wouldn't you drink a seltzer? I don't know because I'm trying to be I'm trying to be cool with all the other trends that are going on. Oh, you're trying to be one of the cool kids. Yeah, because everyone's drinking. You know. Now with that article we read in the Athletic, everyone's drinking non-alcoholic beers. I tried a non-alcoholic Heineken at the bar a few days ago with my wife. It it tastes like Heineken without the alcohol, so I probably be better off just drinking the Heineken itself because it's not really that strong. In the Heineken first place. is a skunky beer. Yeah, it's not strong in the first place, so it wouldn't really matter if, if I had one that was non-alcoholic or one that was alcoholic. It didn't matter. They well, taste I the I just want I just want you guys to stop living off your parents because I don't know. The, there's been some recent. Uh, you Gen Zers and you Millennials, there's been some um, stuff that's come out recently about 40% of you are still living off your parents. I don't. You don't, but a lot of people you mow, they're saying 40%. How many people do you know in their early 30s, late 20s still living off mom and dad? I know one for sure. Really? One. Um wow. A lot of my friends already either are married or divorced and live on their own. Well, they say that you guys don't like you got you guys struggle with with like growing up. They're uh, saying that the and no offense to you, I'm just this is not this is the this is the research that's going on. Divorce is at a high rate. That's a fact. You guys don't like. I mean, you know, getting jobs, you know, being doing the grown up things has been a struggle. Yeah, um, I can see that for some people. I mean, a lot of my friends. Uh, Cody's on marriage number two, by the way. <clears throat> um. But yeah, like a lot of people have struggled. No like, offense. I know there's a lot of people. I went to high school. Just my senior class. A lot of people have been married and divorced at least once. It's wild. What's wrong with you guys? I don't know. I mean, I never thought I'd get divorced, but I did. Oh yeah. Best decision I made in my life. My life's way better now. Well, you say that now. Marriage number two is great. Okay. Number two is good. I don't know what number three will be. I'm like. not going to be Ric Flair and have like a thousand marriages. And but then how I'm many times does Ric Flair have more marriages than belts? Uh oh oh let's see how many how many times because we did this the other day with J Lo. J Lo's been engaged like six seven times. She's been married four. Well, she was married to Mark Anthony twice. Ric Flair five times. He's been married. Like at what point do you think number three, four, or five is actually going to work? Uh, that's a great question. Like, uh, why do you? I just some people are not good at it. You're not good at being married. Yeah, I said if it doesn't work out this time, which it's trending in the right direction, where we're going to be together till the end. You think you're going to be together? I think I think I'm going to throw it out there now. I think we'll be okay. I said wow. if, it, if, it, if it doesn't. Er, hey, by the way, it's early. Yeah, it's very early because they talk about there's certain <laughs> years that people really start. You know, when you've been married five years, ten years, you you're still in the honeymoon phase. So. Uh, before you say this is all going to work out fine and dandy, we need to put we need we need we need a little more uh, wear on the tires before we hear that. I also have a friend that's in. Going, you know how long I've been married? Uh, 20, 21 years. Twenty one years. Is there some tread on the tire there? Yeah, I think I think I think you guys are going to make it though. I think you'll be okay. You think we're going to make it? <laughs> She's lucky. Yeah, you heard it here. She's lucky. I'm sticking around. I had to talk. I talked to your beautiful bride on the phone yesterday. 
I left. <laughs> I lost my phone for literally like five minutes, and there was panic amongst. The- I didn't panic. I didn't panic. Everybody else panicked about my phone. I didn't panic. I get a phone call from a former coworker, then he tells me that he knows that I would know what to do. And then I have to call your wife, and then your wife has to call your friend, and then your friend has to tell you where the phone is. It was like playing phone tag. No, no, no. None of you helped out in getting the phone. That, that, this is false information. So what happened is uh, number six at Pebble Beach is a long uphill par five. And we, when he got up to it's famous, right? All these holes are famous. Six, seven, and eight are famous at Pebble Beach. So I can walking up the hill, and this is when the this is when the wind kicks in. We're there. They've been predicting all day. Winds coming. Oh my God, the winds came. So I put, I had stuff in my hand, and I put phone key. I put everything down. I had a hoodie. I put it on the ground, and to put my sweatshirt on, and to put the hoodie on. For some reason, I didn't pick up my phone. So my phone was laying there right next to one of the stakes that has the ropes. And actually, it was one of the pros, one of the actual PGA Tour players, girlfriend or wife, picked up my phone. So I went, I walked a little bit, and then realized I didn't have my phone. I walked back, not knowing she had picked it up. The marshal gave me his phone. I called my phone, and I got got it back in like five minutes. Everybody around me is panicking. I ha- how I she must have started. How did she get into my emergency contacts? How That's do you a, even do that? I, I don't know. I've never lost my phone. This uh, woman was able to get into my. The the best part is she didn't call your wife. She called someone else. Yeah, I don't get it. I and and then all of a sudden I was like, thank you. I totally appreciate. It. Next, I didn't realize like this was like one of the PJ Tour players' wives or girlfriends. I mean, I didn't think about it till now, but I mean, how come I'm not an emergency contact? Because you that be guy like, was, but I'm not. You'd be yeah, because that guy has my back. <laughs> you'd stab me in the back before you'd help me. I throw your phone in the into the water. You would stab <laughs> me in the back before I before you'd come out of your shell to help me. Oh my god, Keith Law, the most asked questions on the top 100 MLB prospects. Uh, Keith Law has a he has a vendetta against our prospects. He has us ranked as the 27th. Best farm system in hey, baseball. Hey, that's moving up. We used to be 31st and 30th on everybody's list. 31st, huh? Oh, that might be the <laughs> NFL. 30th and 29th. Uh, uh, well, ESPN, our good friend Kyler McDaniel has his 19th. Well, I'm going to go with Jim Callis, our friend Jim Callis from MLB.com and MLB Network, who said, listen, we can really tell you who the top five is and the bottom five. Everybody in between, it's guessing. Oh, yeah. You're guessing. So if you want to live off, hey, our farm system is 12th or 20th, they're guessing. They don't know. He admitted it on our show. Yeah, he, he said, did. If you're not top five or bottom, we know the top five, we know the bottom five. The exact order, I don't know, but we know who's the top. We know who's one through five and 25 through 30. We know that. Everybody in between, you're rolling dice. Yeah. And I think a lot of teams now, like so, we're nineteenth. We're nineteenth, which on means ESPN. we could be twelve. Yep. We could be seventh. We could be twenty third. They don't know. I just don't get it. Like the every team, every, everyone does their rankings differently, which it's fine. Uh, ESPN. Kylie had the. I want to say he had the Orioles number one, which makes a lot of sense. Keith Law did not have the Orioles number one. I mean, oh, they've top. Okay, let me ask you: Where do they have the Astros? Uh, the Astros towards the very bottom, which doesn't matter. Where have they, they had the Astros for years now? Towards the bottom. 
Who has gone to six straight ALCSs? Uh, the Astros. Who's gone to four World Series? Houston. Who's won two of them? Houston. With guys, a lot of their own guys. So you want you want me to sit here and worry about uh, what their farm system's doing? Yeah. They also made a very good move of hiring Dana Brown to be their GM. He helped draft Michael Harris, Spencer Schultz. I don't care. Well, I'm just saying he's going to help rebuild their system. Who's been to six straight ALCSs? And they're not going anywhere. I don't think – when people keep saying they're going to take a step back, I don't see it. Well, what's their step back? They just go to the seventh straight yeah. ALCS instead of the World Series? What's their step back? Hunter Brown doesn't win the AL Cy Young, but he fills in nicely for Verlander. I mean, seriously. <laughs> All these guys done is one. You throw anything at them. Cheating scandal. You throw anything. They lose players. Evan Drellich from The Athletic, who's been on this program before, we're going to have him on. He's come out with a new book that's basically just said, win. It's the Raiders' way. They're like the new – the Astros are literally like the new Raiders. The Raiders have always been dysfunctional, but their dysfunction kept them from winning. We're talking about the old Raiders. The old Raiders, they brought in crazy guys. They could bring in a guy like Matuzak and it worked. They could bring in a guy like Lyle Alzado it worked. They were the outlaws. There was dysfunction. There was fighting. Al was always fighting with somebody. And what'd they do? Just win, baby. So it's like funny that there's a book out by Evan Drellich who basically says winning cures all. As we've said on this show many times, the best deodorant in sports is winning. You win, cleans up any stink. Any issues, nobody cares. People are fighting, nobody. You win, it's all fans care about. The Astros literally do not care about PR. They do not care. They don't care what the Houston media thinks. They don't care what their fans think. They literally don't. We have been told this. We got told this at the uh, winter meetings. I don't want to throw that person under the bus because this could come back to haunt them. But someone very close to the Astros, you remember this? Yes. Was telling us they don't care about what their fans think. They don't care about the national media, local media. What do they do? They win. So what do their fans do? They love them. And there's a book out by Evan Drellich, who used to cover them. He's still in Houston, right? And he works for The Athletic. He's come out with a book about this. It's basically the baseball version of the 70s, well, we'll say 60s, 70s, and 80s Raiders. The Raiders were always dysfunctional. The Raiders were always crazy, but they won. I know all about it. Worked for them. Get it. Then that dysfunction kept them from winning. But right now, they're in like a Raider-like run. Uh, Evan, Evan, remember him and Ken Rosenthal were the ones that broke the story about the sign ceiling scandal in the first place. So no one better than Evan to write a book about what what happened. I want to read it. Uh, we're supposed to have him on on February seventeenth. So I think when are we getting the book? Uh, they're supposed to be mailing it to me. So. Yeah, I would love to read that because it really, seriously, I'm not. I mean, you know, some of you are Niner fans. You know, Niner fans, your dynasty was not built on that. Bill Walsh was not crazy. Bill Walsh was a genius. Bill Walsh was so ahead of his time on just not picking players, just not on offense. Bill Walsh was so ahead of his time on how to run an entire organization. Al ran the Raiders. What Bill Walsh created was everything. It was a blueprint on how to do everything, when to practice, how to practice, how to meet, how to work out, how to travel, everything that many teams still use to this day. It's the Bill Walsh model. Completely different. 
This is about how to win amongst dysfunction and craziness and do what you do. And Jim Crane, by the way, you know where Jim Crane, the owner, is right now? Did you get a chance to talk to him this year? Jim Crane. Down at Pebble? Is down at Pebble Beach right now. Jim Crane literally, and I know this for a fact, the media center a few years ago, Jim Crane playing at Pebble Beach, did the morning show with Murph and Mac on KMBR. He got up, left. I came walking in. One of the employees of KMBR, I'm not going to mention who, said Jim Crane off the air just said to them, oh, there were a lot of teams doing it. We're just taking the fall. He wouldn't say that on the air because, remember, he had to wear it. He had to pay the fine, fire his coach, fire his GM. But Jim Crane told these guys at KMBR, oh, yeah, other, other teams are doing it. Baseball just wanted to punish them, close it, act like nothing happened, forget Yankees, forget Dodgers, forget Brewers, forget allegedly, forget all them, let everybody off. Just Astros, you won the World Series, you'll keep your rings, you'll keep the title, you just got to get rid of three, you got to fire two guys, we'll take care of Cora and Beltron. I mean, you just see how this thing played out, right? We'll take we'll take care. We'll make Boston get rid of them. We'll make New York get rid of them. The Boston brought back Cora, <laughs> but they brought him back. But we'll, yeah, and, right. And you get rid of Hinch, and we'll make those guys the scapegoats, and then we move forward. And all, are we going to do deep dives into the, all these other teams that we know we're doing it? Jim Crane said it at the AT and T when he got done to the guys at KMBR. Other teams are doing it. And Jim Crane, your buddy, is down at the AT&T at Pebble Beach playing right now. You think he cares? Look at all the – look at all just the – just the stank that's been on the Astros and Jim Crane. And they don't care because they just keep winning. And now they got their second world title. And everybody's like, oh, do it for Dusty. All he had to do was go hire Dusty Baker. And everybody's like, do it for Dusty. Even though we know how awful it is to work for the Astros. It's awful, awful. They treat they treat everybody terrible. Lower level employees doesn't matter. They win. They absolutely win. All right, we haven't had a break yet. I know. It's, but- I mean, I as you can see, I'm ready to go three hours again. I mean, I'm 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 I. You might still be in off season mode. I'm ready to get her going. Well, before we get to Melissa, we should after our break. We I would, want forty forty. I said maybe we should do forty forty. We've been teasing this for days. All right, let's just do it now. Oh, you don't want to take a break? No, we'll just take a break before Melissa. So, I pose the question, what's going to be easier? Because somebody, who came out with the article about the 4040? That was our good friend Sarah Langs. Okay, so 4040 may be back in vogue. I will always say this, my man, Jose Canseco. Remember this bobblehead, the Rookie of the Year? 1986 Rookie of the Year, Jose Canseco. That we gave out, brought to you by Kelly Moore Paints. Love me some Jose. Uh, when he did 40 40, it really mattered because it was in a season that mattered. Let's play the highlight. All right. Here's, uh, here's Jose Silly number 40. He's leaning a little bit right now. He's running. There's the throw. Number 40. Jose Canseco, the first man ever in big league history. Can't do it. And now he's asking the umpire if he can take that second base bag. <laughs> and he's saying no. <laughs> the umpire says he can't have it. 
He's getting a standing ovation from his teammates on the top of the dugout steps. And the fans. That? And the fans are standing also. Jose's going to ask Hirschbeck again if he can have the band. All around this ballpark. They're standing. Now he's going to get it. He stole it. It's his. He's got it. <laughs> That's great. Well, at Wimbledon, they hold it up over their head when they win a trophy, and he just gave a little one at that. Frank Simchak will take care of that. The Hall of Fame will be on the phone, but they won't get it. <laughs> 23 years old. He played in 158 games. He hit 307. I mean, this is this is like this guy's going to be one of the greatest players to have ever lived. He hit 307. Not 230, not 207 like Dermis Garcia. He hit 307. 42 home runs. 124 RBIs. 40 stolen bases. Slug 569 on base 391. He had an OPS plus, not an OPS, an OPS plus of 170. So you're over 100, you're feeling good about yourself. The more over 100, you feel good. 170 through the roof. It's a great year. 120 runs scored. It's one of the great years you've ever seen in the game. That productive of a player... He scored 100 runs, drove in 100 runs, hit 300, 34 doubles, 42 home runs. There's nothing he didn't do. Stole 40 bags. That year by Jose Canseco is one of the great. And doing it at the Coliseum, mind you. 81 games at the Coliseum. Not 81 games. Not going to throw your, your boys from Coors Field on the bus. But not in Arizona. Yankee Stadium. Not in Philly. Toronto. Not the bandbox stadiums that you think of. He did it in Oakland. That is one of the truly one of the great years in baseball history. No, offensively. I'm no, I'm curious how many home runs he hit. All around years. I'm curious how many home runs he hit at home that year. Let's see, 1988. 1988. Jose, that year at home. Let's see. He hit. 16 home runs at home and stole 19 bases and hit 313. And hit 26 bombs on the road. 26. He actually hit better. He's like the anti Todd Helton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty pretty remarkable. What did he hit on the road? Three, 301. So he hit better at home, by the way. He hit 313 at home, hit 301 on the road. Look at his batting air was a balls in play. That's Bapit. 347 at home. He was a monster. <laughs> On the road, his OPS Plus was 181. He was a monster. He was a monster. All right. So, giving love to my guy, Jose. Who's next on the list? That cheat? That'd be Barry Bonds, who did it in 1996 with the In Giants. a year where the Giants were terrible. So, Bonds, Bonds being, Bonds is greatness. If you think Bonds is not greatness, you're out of your mind. Uh, Barry Bonds. Bad year for the Giants, said to hell with it. I'm going for 40-40, yeah. and he did. Here's the highlight. Bonds goes on the first pitch. Reed is up throwing, but Bonds has done it. Barry Bonds has become the second man in the history of baseball 
with 40 homers and 40 steals in one season. And he will take the base home. He had the exact same numbers as Jose. 42 home runs, 40 stolen bases. Monster year by Bonds. 308 batting average, over 1,000 OPS. Why? Because he led the league with 151 walks. That's all the guy did was walk. He was he's Bonds. He's Bonds. He's a 40-40 guy and a gold glover, for God's sake. Barry Bonds, I know, but you have – I can respect just the player. That's why I should be a Hall of Fame voter, because I can respect just the player. Barry Bonds was greatness. Giants won 68 games that year, by the they way. They were terrible. <laughs> 68 Ter- wins. That's when I was getting into my career, and I was working at KMBR. I had first – Bonds just basically took over. Just took over. Just said, you know what? We stink. I'm going to be great. To hell with all of you. All righty. The great Barry Bonds, 40-40. So it's only happened twice until another cheat, Alex Rodriguez. And that is hit well into right center field. Anderson goes back and see you later. There it is. Alex Rodriguez is now a 40-40 player. His 40th home run of the year that ties Rico Petroselli for the most home runs in the American League for a shortstop. boy, Alex. 1998 Seattle Mariners. Uh, I don't have their their, re- their record in front of me that year. Let me pull it up real quick. 19. Where were you in 98 in the Seattle Mariners? I was nine. Uh, they were 76 and 85 with Ooh. Lou Pinella. Ooh. They weren't very good that year. Where was I in 98? I was single. And I was working at KMBR. They had three. They had three guys in that team driving 100 runs, and they lost 85 games. Yeah, who was pitching? Um. Well, like remember they would have traded Randy Johnson to Houston. No, he was there. Well, they would have traded them halfway through to Houston. Yeah, but he was he started the season. Jamie there. Moyer, Jeff Acero, Randy Johnson, Ken Cloud, and Bill Swift. Oh, Billy Swift. That's not that bad of a rotation. How are they that bad? Well, look at the ERAs though. Five and five eight five six three seven. It's nineteen ninety eight, bro. Yeah, You're ERAs. in the middle of the steroid yeah. era. Hey, Jamie Moyer said, "Shut up! I got three five three throwing 80. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the numbers are they're and they're pitching in the kingdom. You're pitching in the kingdom in the steroid era. Good luck. Like, look how great Randy Johnson is. He's got a four three three. He'd go on to Houston and, and be, not lose. Yeah, he'd be unbelievable <laughs> until he couldn't beat the Padres in the postseason. All righty, number four. Four times it's happened. We take you. I thought he did it as a cubby. Alfonso Soriano, when do, where were you and when did you remember this when Soriano was a gnat? Soriano with a good lead on a 2-0 pitch. There he goes. And he is in there without a throw. And that's number 40 for Soriano. Yep, that's what happens. The catcher tried to rush it. He couldn't get it out of it. Couldn't pull the trigger. There goes the base. The ground crew is ready with a replacement. All right. And he joins Jose Canseco, <laughs> Barry Bonds, and Alex Rodriguez as the only 40-40 men in the history of baseball. The 2006 Nationals won 71 games. Who was their manager? Davey Johnson. Uh, no, this guy's a Hall of Famer. Hall Frank of Robinson. Who was their general manager? The one guy we can never get on this program. Oh, Jim Bowden. Bowden was the GM. And Dana Brown, who's now the GM of the Astros, was their scouting director. 
Why do you have Soriano at 39 home runs and 41? Oh, he had 39 home runs and 41 steals as a Yankee. Yeah, he did it a couple years prior as a Yankee. This year, though, let's see. Ah, one dinger away. Yeah, he went 46 to 90, 46 homers, 95 runs driven in, and 41 steals. He hit 277. Where do you finish in the MVP voting that year? Let's just let's just take a look. The one year Soriano was uh, a national in 06. He finished six in MVP voting. I got to be honest with you. I'll be honest. I, I wouldn't you say we're honest on this program? You didn't know you forgot he was a national. I told if you would have said name me all the teams he played for, I would have said Yankees. I would have said Cubbies. Uh, who else? Uh, Texas. It was an A Rod deal. That's right, Texas. I would have never said Nationals. Most games, Jose, most games, Alfonso Soriano ever played in his career was hundred and sixty. Hundred and fifty nine that year with the Nationals at age thirty. He was a good. He was a good second baseman. He was in the A Rod deal. Yeah, when he when he went got dude his career numbers. Look at his career numbers for a second base. Four hundred and twelve home runs. Yeah, four hundred twelve home runs. Eleven hundred and fifty nine RBI. Stole two hundred eighty nine bases. Career two seventy hitter. Um, his total bases. He had three thousand eight hundred seventy four total bases. Not nowhere near what Hank Aaron did, but I'm starting to look more at what guys do with total bases, and it's pretty remarkable. Like no one's going to pass Henry Aaron's record of total bases, which is like six thousand. No, 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 no. I think Hembo had a status that he pull host kid unretire, hit a home run, and like I forget how many consecutive at bats, and he'd still be well behind Hank Aaron. Well, th- it goes back to. You want to talk about the greatest player of all time? It's really, really hard not to say Henry Aaron. I know. Henry Aaron is third in hits. Think about that. Only Pete Rose and Ty Cobb have more hits than Henry Aaron. Then look at all the home runs. Look at all the RBIs. This guy was an offensive machine, and from what they say, obviously we weren't born – he was a terrific right fielder with a hose. You're trying to tell me a guy who should have the most home runs and he's third in hits and most in RBIs and was good defensively and played for how long? Eight million years and mashed in the postseason when he did have the chance to get in there? Kind of tough not to say Henry Aaron is not the greatest player of all time. Uh, Henry Aaron. Check the tape. Henry Aaron. Take that for data. Uh, Not data, it's data. Two-time batting champion. Do you go Tw- data or data? I, I I actually go back and forth. Data. 25-time All-Star. 25-time All-Star, and he only played 23 years. I don't know how that. Look at the RBIs. 2,297. 2,297. 6,856 total bases. The next closest is Albert Pujols. He's like, let me pull up. Let me pull up. Wait, no, let's do that. 755 home runs to go with 3,771 hits. Uh, I asked the question before Melissa Lockhart. I asked the question to you, and I'll allow you to change your answer. What's going to be easier to do now? Because they think 40-40 is coming, and there's going to be quite a few guys. What's easier, 40 home runs or 40 stolen bases? I think the steals are. I I told you prior to this year it would have been home runs. You said home runs first. I went, ah, I went Lee Corso. Not so fast, my friend. Yeah, I said prior to this year, it would have been stolen bases would have been harder to do or easier but to do. But now so – Home runs would be easier to do prior to this year. When you tell people about the rule changes, they go, wait a minute, what? You can only throw over twice? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't give them the third time, it's a balk. You got smaller bases. I mean, if, if I had any type of speed, I am taking the biggest Ricky Henderson leads and forcing you to throw over. I'm going to force you. I am going to force you to throw over. 
And if you don't, I've got such a big lead, I'm gone. The running A's, baby. We better become the running A's. Well, so, what a lot of people don't realize, there's only four guys that had 40 home runs last year. You know Aaron Judge. You know Schwarber. Schwarber, yeah. There's only four. Not that many guys. Now, now that we're testing for PEDs. Who, who are the other two? I can't remember. But Schwarber led the National League and obviously yeah. Judge uh, the American League. But there was only four guys that had 40 uh, polar bear. Uh, Polar Bear do it? I think Alonzo had – let me – I have it right here. Um, Mike Trout and Pete Alonzo each hit 40. Trout into – Austin Riley hit 30. Trout snuck in 40. That was very light. Very under the radar. Wow. Like, wow, if Trout had 40? If he didn't have a bad calf and all the injuries, I think Trout would be an easy 40-40 guy. My pick, Uh, Ronald Acuna will be my pick this year. Let me tell you something. That guy's turned out to be overrated. Who, Ronald? Yeah. Can't stay healthy. What's the best ability? Availability. By the way, real quick before we go to break. Most total base in MLB history. Henry Aaron, 6,856. This is from our friend Paul McKinney of ESPN. Albert Pulos, 6,211. Pulos could unretire, homered in 161 consecutive plate appearances, and still <laughs> rank second all time. <laughs> He'd hit 161 straight home runs. And still rank second. I'm telling you, Henry Aaron's stats, and he's the, he was the nicest man. I got to interview him one time. I was so nervous. I interviewed the great Henry Aaron one time, and it was like he was such a gentleman. He was the nicest guy. Anybody anybody who talks Henry Aaron will tell you, salt of the earth kind of guy, right? Raised Dusty Baker. I mean, they were playing in the South. I mean, Henry Aaron had to help a lot of these young players, just not African-Americans, players of color. Henry Aaron was the guy that that helped guide people to be successful. I mean, Henry Aaron helped so – and Henry Aaron helped white guys too. I mean, Henry Aaron was just a, an amazing – I don't know if they even called him a captain then, but Henry Aaron was the leader, and he was a leader to people on other teams too. Henry Aaron is – you know, we, we, we do a lot – about a lot of different players in sports, I don't think Henry Aaron has ever really gotten his due of what he meant to the game, what he meant to people inside the game, what he meant after his playing days. I mean, this guy was massive, massive. And the stats are just... Yeah, look him up someday on a baseball reference. They're yeah. incredible. Just go look baseball reference. Melissa Lockhart will join us next. We'll talk a little A's baseball. Who's helping this year? Who's really helping this year? We find out next right here on A. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is cast live.
It's that time of the year. Single game tickets are now on sale for the 2023 season. Secure your tickets for some of the biggest matchups, fireworks, drone shows, giveaways, and more. From opening weekend against the Angels to the 50th reunion of the 1973 World Series team, to unique giveaways like Pit Viper glasses. There is so much happening at the ballpark this season. Don't miss out on other home stands as we take on the Giants, Padres, Yankees, Cubs, and Braves. Visit athletics.com slash tickets to get yours now. That's athletics.com slash tickets. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, Melissa joins us from The Athletic as she's put out a bunch of articles lately as she's getting fired up, ready to go for the season. Do we have her? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I, 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 I'm ready to go. You know, like this is the time for me. You know, we start getting ready for spring training. Normally it's like, you know, I was down at the AT&T yesterday at Pebble Beach. I'll be there on Sunday. Then after that, it's like, it's go time for baseball. So I asked Eno Saris this, and I want to ask you, like, give me three things that you look at when you look at a franchise, whether it's the A's or anybody else, heading into a season, what are the three things you look at to say, this is going to be a good team, and these are the three things they'll tell you why? Yeah, I mean, I think past performance, you know, is often the first thing you look at, right? So you're going to look at what somebody's coming in, having done the year before, how healthy they finished off the season before. Um, Then you kind of look at the strength of the young players that are coming up and what the depth chart looks like. Uh, If you do have an injury, do you have guys behind that person that can kind of step in and do that? Um, you know, and then, and then you kind of look at what's around them too. So is it a division that looks winnable or is it a division that's stacked with like the best teams in the league? And you're going to kind of be butting your head up against that, uh, the entire year. So I think those are kind of the three main things. There's a million sub factors that would go into. Sure. But I like it. Yeah. 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 But I think that's what I would look at. Yeah. Eno mentioned depth too. And that's why I like asking all of you guys who cover the game, uh, what you think is depth of your 40 man roster is definitely big. I'm not so – so, you know, some of your you – no, know, we love Eno. He's our national baseball columnist who comes on, obviously, uh, your colleague at The Athletics. Some of your colleagues, though. Whoa, Jim Bowden coming in hot with the A's being 30th. <laughs> we're ranked 30th. Well, there's no way we're the worst team in baseball. Yeah, I, I – wouldn't even begin to be able to rank every single team. Uh, I think after you get past the first four or five, it's kind of a, a crapshoot what comes after that. But, um, you know, I I think this will be a better team than last year. I, you know, like, I don't know that's not a particularly high bar, but I think in general, you know, you look, you look at the depth of the roster, it's better. You look at the experience of the players coming in, you know, there's a little bit more there. The upside is much higher than it was with a lot of the players that they started off last season with. Um, so, what that translates to vis-a-vis everybody else in the league, you know, I couldn't begin to say, but I do think this is a better team than they started off last season with. Well, I, I'm not going to play Homer here and people do, and it's been done on this show. I didn't say anything, but when people tell me, you know, excited about Ramon Laureano, first of all, I love Ram- Ramon Laureano. Ramon, Ramon Laureano is the kind of guy I would have loved to play with. He is hard nosed. He plays the game like a football player. That's just not a cliche. It's real. When you saw him in the COVID year go after the Houston Astros, there were no fans in the stands. 
There were no, this wasn't showboating. There was only cardboard cutouts. Ramon Laureano went after the Astros when no one's supposed to touch each other, get near each other, to hell with that. I mean, that's the kind of guy I want to play with. I love Ramon Laureano. But someone said, I'm excited about Ramon Laureano. Excited? I'm not excited. I'm worried because I need to know who is Ramon Laureano not on PEDs. Because last year, he came back from the suspension clean, did not play well. So I don't know if there's excitement in the air. I think there's a lot of question marks. Who really is Ramon Laureano as a player? Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, this is a very big year for Ramon Laureano, which is, I think, partially why I'm optimistic about him, because I do think that that fire that you talked about is something that uh, really does drive him. And I think starting off a season where he missed the first part of it because he was serving the suspension and everything else that was going on with the team, I don't know if he was ever fully engaged in that frame of mind, you know, the way that he would be. But the motivation here, I mean, this is a make or break year for his career, really. Like, is he the guy that I think two years ago you could have thought about maybe being someone that signs like an eight-year deal worth a lot of money? Or is he a guy who's going to bounce around in a million teams and sign one-year contracts or minor league deals for a long time? And, and I think this season makes or breaks that for him. Um, so whether that motivation is enough to get him across, whether he could stay healthy enough to be that for more than 120 games, you know, that's the most he's ever played is 123 games in the season. You know, you need more than that from a guy who's going to be the best player on your team. So um, there's a lot that's going to be going into that, but I do think that this motivation and the drive that he would want to prove that last year was an aberration, I think will, will help him. Well, let's talk about a potential dilemma here for the A's, which is a great one to have. We know ideally Seth Brown playing right field. They'd like to see Seth Brown play right field. We thought DH first base right, but now with Aguilar here, idea in an ideal world, Aguilar's going to do a lot of the DHing. One of these kids, Garcia, Noda, somebody takes over first base, and then you have Seth Brown and right. What if Estuary Ruiz is everything the Padres have told us? Because the people with the Padres said this kid can be really legit. He's going to have to play. And he's a center fielder. So if I know Brown's going to play, and I know Ruiz is going to play in center, it, you know, what, what, where does Ramon Laureano really fit in? I mean, I don't see why Seth couldn't play left field. You know, like I know ideally he's been a right fielder. That's where he sort of lined up. But he's played everywhere in the outfield. He's played a lot of center field. He's played left field. He's played right field. I've seen him all three places dating all the way back to Stockton. So um, I think that's the easiest solution. I think Laureano's arm is still a huge weapon to have out in right field. I think if you can keep him out of center field and and keep the wear and tear off his legs, that's probably better for him anyway. So, uh, you know, it would take some adjustment for uh, Seth to kind of see the diamond from that side of it, but it's not like he hasn't done it before, and I think he could handle left field. Connor Capel, in a way, kind of remind me of Brian Giles, kind of that short, Mm -hmm. stocky guy. Um, His bat stays through the zone a long time, a real level swing, makes a lot of contact, needs a place to play, didn't have it in St. Louis. Am I over overly optimistic that I think Capel should be a guy getting a lot of at-bats, or should I pump the brakes? Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, his track record in the minor leagues going into last year would not have made you think that this is a guy that you're going to want to give a ton of at-bats to. But he really did seem to change his approach quite a bit. 
the contact rate bumped up, the walk rate bumped up. Um, and I think those are usually pretty good indicators of someone sort of figuring it out. Uh, you know, he was a well-regarded talent in, in the Cleveland organization early in his career and just never quite got the numbers that you sort of would have, uh, you know, wanted to see at the levels that he was at. So, uh, you know, I think he's going to be someone that needs to prove it. But if he is the guy he was in September in that time that you saw, I think there's no reason why he shouldn't get a lot of the bats. Have you studied this Noda guy that we got in the Rule 5 from the Dodgers? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's interesting because he's a guy who uh, not only is he a, a power hitter, which I think they really, you know, obviously could use, um, and he's a guy who can get on base, but defensively, he's actually a very good first baseman. And I do think that was underrated in terms of what they were missing last year from Matt Olson. Like, it wasn't just the bat. I think the glove was very sorely missed at first base. They never really had anyone that was a plus defender there at any point last season. So um, if he's a guy who can come in and be an above average defensive first baseman, basement uh you know that certainly creates an alignment for a, a shift free infield that will be um you know a pretty big bonus especially if he can run into maybe 20 home runs in a year um that's a lot to ask a rookie a rule five pick you know i think we we have to wait and see but i think that's the potential upside of someone like him i mean the reality is the reason he's available is because they went out and got freddie freeman i mean that's no knock against right. nota right i mean freddie freeman is one of the best players in baseball he was essentially because we don't allow lefties to play in a lot of different spots i mean he was essentially blocked yeah, I mean, the Dodgers have probably a double 40-man roster. You know, like, talk about depth, right? Right. This is an organization that yeah. it could go 80 deep in a lot of ways. And um, so to be left off of the Dodgers 40-man roster is not a, a, a thing yeah. of shame. You know, you're not going to totally. wear a scarlet letter because you were left off the Dodgers 40-man roster. So, um, yeah, people were around the Pacific Coast League were very impressed with him last year. Um, I don't think it was just an aberration of playing in a lot of parks like Albuquerque and Vegas and Reno, where you're getting, you know, that thin air. Um, he had good numbers in double A as well. The A's have seen him a ton because the Dodgers and the A's are in a lot of the same uh, leagues together in the minor leagues. So, uh, you know, they have a long book on him and why not give it a try. If it doesn't work out by September, we'll see Tyler. So, you know, I think that's, that's sort of the, the way that, it, that they can approach it. But I think it's good to bring someone in who's a real first baseman because, um, I think that was something that was sorely missed with the roster last year. Well, you've covered this game for a long time. I mean, you know as well as anybody. Sometimes you, you think it's great to be in the Dodgers organization. Well, sometimes it's kind of a curse. You're blocked. I mean, you think about the run that the A's had in the 80s, bringing up all these rookies of the year. The Dodgers had that uh, in the 90s where they had a bunch of rookies of the year. But, I mean, sometimes you get in one of these organizations and – doesn't matter what you do. There's there's somebody playing at the big league level in your position, and you're not going to move that guy. Yeah, I mean, that's why the Rule 5 draft exists. The Yankees used to be able to field, like, three big league rosters based on the guys they were hiding down there in the minor leagues. And, you know, it got to a where it was literally unfair because somebody would be sitting there and Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle and everybody else is ahead of them, and there's no, you know, you could be Roger yeah. Maris and you're not going to get out there for a while, right? So. Um, absolutely. I think that's, uh, you know, that's part of why this exists. It's part of why the Dodgers have been so successful is that they can trade off and, and lose guys in the rule five draft and really not feel it. And that's where I think every organization sort of strives to be. You have never swayed away from believing in Tyler Soderstrom. You've always, <laughs> every single time on you have said it. I, I think he, I think he's a prodigy. He's been, he's been groomed to be this guy 
We all remember his dad. I played against his dad in college. His dad went to Fresno State, was the number one pick by the Giants. Um, he's been playing against – his dad's been training all these kids in the Valley. Tyler's been playing against all of them. I mean, he's meant to do this, and you believe in it. Like, are we really going to wait till September? Or I mean, there, could this be a lot earlier? Yeah, I think it depends on when he's ready, right? Like, they're not going to base what they're doing – on a timeline that's different than what's best for Tyler at this point, because, um, you know, ultimately they're not going to win the world series this year. You're welcome to print that and and make t-shirts of it. If they do end up winning the world series, (laughs) I think I'm pretty safe to say they're not going to win the world. Did you just give us bulletin board material? Go ahead. Put it all the way up there. We're (laughs) against Melissa. She's against us. We're going to rally the troops. We're going to have pictures of you all over spring training. She said we don't have a chance. (laughs) <laughs> they're going to put it up in Georgia's uh, clubhouse first and then they're going to go into ours, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, so Tyler's going to start the year in AAA and if he's hit 30 homers by, you know, July 1st, there's yeah, no reason why you wouldn't see him in July. He is still really young. He's only had three weeks of AAA time. There is value in getting, you know, time at that level. I think there's also value in seeing if the improvements he continues to make at catcher would make him somebody who could play 25% of the games there so that you kind of have an interesting way that you could play with the backup situation to Shea and have him play some first base and some catcher. Um, So, you know, there's reasons for him to be there. But um, when he's ready, they'll open the doors for him. You know, we've been through a lot of trades over a lot of years. But I got to tell you, when my phone buzzed and I just saw that Cole Irvin had been traded to Baltimore, because I've been trying to figure out, and you've done a piece about the rotation, I've been trying to put together a story here. Like, well, you know, you get 30 starts out of Cole, close to 200 innings. Okay, you get this out of Blackburn. Okay, Waldachuk's growing up. Now we got Fuji in the mix. You know, I like Sears. Like, you start putting this together, like, we got something. And when I saw that, it, like, broke my heart. He's great for our show. He came on Ace Cast Live all the time. We love him to death. Uh, Just how tough was that when you found out that Cole Irvin got shipped to Baltimore? Yeah, I was having lunch with my mom, so I was definitely not in a like frame of mind of like, yeah. oh, a trade's coming, and I'm going to focus on this. Um, you know, my my feeling is like entering a, a season without a guy that you can kind of hang your hat on, making 30 starts and not getting beat around the ears when he's out there, um, is dangerous. You know, like in 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 that sense, like you you want to have one guy that you can kind of count on like that. And it is hard to look at the group they have now and, and say that you can hang your hat on someone from a talent perspective. Was he probably the among the top five most talented starters among the group they have? And Kyle Muller is another one you want to throw in there as well. But, um, you know, maybe not, but he's proved it, you know, and there's so much that hasn't been proven yet with the group that they've got. There's just a lot of pieces that are going to have to move together to, you know, get to 162 games because you've got so many guys that haven't made 30 starts in the last couple of years. Um, it, it, you know, it is it is interesting. If they're going to be creative, I think it can work, right? Like if they're going to maybe go with a piggyback sort of situation where you have like AJ Puck and, and Fuji starting on the same day where you're going to expect both guys to go four innings or you're going to do some other creative things where some guys spend some time in the bullpen and then come back to the rotation and you have maybe eight or ten starters throughout a year you know then it could work but they haven't really done that or shown a willingness to do that kind of thing the way the Rays maybe have in in recent years 
So I'm a little skeptical that that's going to happen, but we'll see. I mean, you know, they brought in uh, a new bullpen pitching coach. They brought in some new infrastructure for the way that their pitching development is going. So even though they're not saying it, uh, you know, that could be an indication that there are some new ways of looking at how they're going to manage a rotation that this could, you know, lead us towards. Well, the title of your article, Oakland A's 2023 starting rotation outlook can upside make up for lack of experience. As you said, lack of experience is scary because in the end, you have to get 162 starts. There's a ton of outs. We have it's 4,374 outs, not counting <laughs> extra innings that you got to get during the year. So you need 4,374 outs. You need 162 starts. Where do you find that on this 40-man roster? Yeah, I mean, looking at this right now, it's going to be – a 10 man job, not a five man job. You know, you look at like what Seattle did last year and basically used the same five starters. If you assume, you know, Luis Castillo being coming in and, and taking over that fifth starter spot was, you know, a, a kind of a continuity thing, but you're, you're not going to have that. There, there's, there's zero chance of that. I mean, even if Puck and Fuji are as healthy as can possibly be, you don't imagine they're going to go more than 120 innings. I wouldn't think just based on the workloads they've had the last couple of years. Um, you know, you're looking at Paul Blackburn and James Caprillion coming off of injuries. I mean, so if 10 guys can give them 120 solid innings, then, you know, I mean, that, that's my, my, my math's not good. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it, something like that's going to have to be the way it goes. And, and that is how the Rays manage their rotation. I mean, you look at, if you go on Baseball Reference, it's remarkable. They didn't have one guy go over 160 innings last year. And they had the best pitching staff, arguably, in the American League. Um but you have to be willing to live with that sort of like creative flow in and out sort of situation into a rotation and not be kind of married to the traditional five man um, setup. And and I just don't know if they're able to do that yet. We'll see. Pro- problem with the Rays, they're an outlier. They're not the norm. So, I mean, they've no, been, they've been right. able to do it, but trying to do it like them, I don't know. And I just, you know, what's going on with Blackburn? I get, Caprillion is never healthy. He's never been healthy his entire since he left UCLA. Blackburn, this is not elbow. This is not shoulder. This was a finger. Everything's been pretty murky. So I, you have questions going in like, what's going on? Fingers get fixed. Why are we still worried about him injury-wise? Yeah, I, I don't know if we're worried so much as, um, you know, I think this is the second time he's had a finger thing. I think that rookie year didn't get interrupted by broke a finger. I don't know if the two are related, you know, so, um, but there is a lot of feel that comes from, you know, the ball coming off your fingertips. And if there was any lingering nerve issues or whatever, you know, you could see that becoming an issue. I think the main thing is, do you believe that the Paul Blackburn we saw before the All-Star break, who, you know, made the All-Star team, is Paul Blackburn and that what we saw after that leading into landing on the injured list was because the finger was already bothering him or, you know, is it kind of headed back to a mean that is not going to be what we saw at, at the first part of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the, if the finger's healthy and, you know, he's back to kind of where he was at the start of last year, you know, he's certainly capable of making 30 starts um, and more capable than probably anyone else just looking at this with the exception of these rookies. Like, I mean, you know, Waldachek, Sears, Muller, they've all been, you know, relatively healthy and pitched a lot of innings lately. So they could do it. It's just a lot to ask a rookie to say, Hey, you know, you're going to lead us with 32 starts this year. Right. So, um, 
but I, you know, I think with Paul, I, the, the real question is just, there was such a divergence in how good he was at the beginning of the year and then how he struggled leading into that injury is, you know, what is the true him? Muller has a complete game last year in AAA. Yeah, no, I mean, the future of the rotation is, you know, Muller, Woldechek, and see what else kind of comes behind that. But, you know, in, in an ideal world for the A's, those two are the guys that are giving them a ton of innings, and then you maybe add a Mason Miller in there next year, and you're looking at a rotation that they hope to see uh, be more stable moving forward. I mean, I, 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 still, I still think this is a pretty big transition year from them trying to see where their parts are going to fit best. I think, you know, making a decision before AJ Puck hits arbitration in terms of what value he brings to the team is probably uh, a little bit why they're you know, making a decision to, to give him a shot in the rotation. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of talent there and a lot of pieces that they're hoping to have a better, you know, picture of uh, going into next season when, you know, maybe they can start building towards a winner. If you had to bet on it, who's taking the ball opening day? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, Blackburn, if he's healthy, I think he earned it. You know, he's the he's your all star, right? So, um, you know, I, Cole was the guy I assumed would would do it until that press release. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think Paul's probably it. <laughs> I know, I know. It was like, what? How do you trade him? Let's end on this. I want you to give me a wild card. Who have you been studying? Who you think? at some point could come up and get a lot of – could be at-bats, could be a lot of innings. Give me a wild card from the minor leagues that could play a – you know, not say a major role, but definitely play a role this year with the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, I think Jordan Diaz. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough because they brought in these veterans that play his same positions, but – Man, he was really, really good last year, um, really underrated as a hitter. I think he came up and more than held his own in his little stint in the big leagues. And he's been on fire uh, this winter, um, and he's, he's playing in the Caribbean World Series. He had a home run yesterday. Um, and, and this guy can just really hit, and they don't have a lot of guys that can just really hit. And I think so if he's able to get hot, you know, he's a, he's a guy you'll find a place for in the lineup because he can hit. Great stuff as always, and everything on The Athletic is fantastic. We hope to see you. Are you going down to spring? Not as of now. I'm not set to go there, no. Well, then we'll see you at the Coliseum. Yeah, I will. I'll be at the Coliseum. Well, we'll be checking in during spring training because uh, nobody does it better than you. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me on. And another reason why to subscribe to The Athletic because of articles like she puts out. I mean, nobody is covering the A's from a print standpoint better. And no one covers baseball better than the athletic. And football, basketball, it's the best journalism going. Jordan Diaz, I like that. I mean, we yeah. kind of – I said I wanted right – no right now no one's looking at uh, Jordan Diaz right now. No one's going, yep, nobody. You don't want me to go chalk and say Zach Geloff? That's chalk. I know, that's why I was joking. That's chalk. Everybody's been talking about Geloff. What's not going to be chalk is if he's back at AAA. Then you're like, you know, second-round pick out of college. You've switched positions. Everybody's been talking about your bat. You know, how many years do you need? How many years do you – we hear a lot about, oh, guys need time. Other organizations? Not so much. We see 22-year-olds, 21-year-olds. We see young guys coming up. 
young. Uh, Braves and Orioles are on line one and two. They're bringing up guys that are – I mean, these guys barely are 21, can buy a drink, and they're bringing guys up. And we're talking about college guys that we have, oh, they're going to have their at-bats. Like, my God. I'll give you. Go. I'll give you a guy. I think Hogan Harris could be a guy. Hogan Harris? He's on the 40-man roster. A great he's, name. He's protected in the Rule 5 draft, left-hander. Let's see what his stats were last year. Because left-handers – I mean, we love left-handers. Can we get any righties? We love lefties and catchers in this organization anymore. Catchers, my God. Last year in uh, he pitched Lansing. All, he pitched all three levels. Two and four, a 3-4-2 ERA, and 22 starts. Is that strikeouts? 105 strikeouts and 73 and two-thirds. None of that means anything. None of that means anything. Your ERA doesn't mean anything. The only the – only, the only, if you have a good ERA – it matters. Bad ERA doesn't matter. Look at all the places you play. You playing in Vegas? What was his ERA in Vegas? Here's a great point. What was his ERA in Midland? All right, hold on. Yeah, okay. So, in, uh, no, we'll start with Lansing. High. One, three, eight. But people are going to say, that's high. Yeah, seven starts in Let's high. Let's go to double A. All right, double A. He had seven starts. His ERA was one, six, seven. Is that any good? It's very good. Now let's send him to launch ball. Let's like it's like you're playing on the moon, which is Las Vegas. Uh he was one and three with a six three five ERA and eight starts. So how am I supposed to determine a guy has one six seventy, I can see it. One six seventy RA double A and triple A is six point three five. It's ridiculous. Strikeouts? Hell I don't know. Everybody strikes out. It's almost if you don't strike some if you don't strike out a lot of guys that's when you have to start wondering if it's a problem. If you tell me, because we hear that all the time, he strikes out a lot of guys. Well, he better, because all the hitters are striking out. If you're not striking out people, that's the red flag. Uh, this, it, there, should no be, there should be no celebration. Guy in the minor league strikes out a lot of people. That's the norm. Yeah, uh, high, wa- high walks, though. He walked, where is it at? He walked 43 batters in 73 and two-thirds. It's a lot of walks. But, again, he's 25. He had a good good year until he got to Vegas. But, remember, Jared Kaning had, an, uh, Kate, uh, Kaning had a great year in Vegas, and it didn't translate in, ma- in the major league because so, he was the he was against the norm in Vegas. He was actually pitching very His well. His numbers weren't great. They were just good for Vegas. Yeah, what, were, what was his ERA? He was pitching really well down there for a while. Uh, in Vegas last year, uh, Kaning was six – well, it got inflated, but it was – Six and six is a four seven one. That's when are you going to listen to me? I told you 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 were acting like he had like a one something. But I think before he got called up, though, remember he got sent back down, so his ERA could have gone up. Whatever, it's four seven one at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean you spend a lot of time down there. You're not going to have a good ERA. Three two six in Midland. What does it all mean? Nothing. Hopefully, it means hopefully nothing. It means nothing. We don't know until they get up here, and you got to get out. You got to get up here and get outs. What you did in Midland, what you do in Lansing, what you did nobody as Vi the great Vita Blue. You know a guy who's won the MVP and the Cy Young and has three World Series rings, and with all this new way of looking things, uh, it's come out now that Sal Bando, Jay Jaffe, yeah. Uh, a fan graphs who has his jaws for the Hall of Fame and said, you know, maybe we should have really looked at Sal Bando different. Vita Blue's the same way. Vita Blue used to say all the time when he was on, uh, when he used to do the Giants pre and post on NBC Sports Bay Area, 
he'd laugh when people talk about it. And he, the Giants' old AAA was in Fresno, and guys would like, oh, this guy's doing this in Fresno, and he comes up, and Vida would be like, it's not Fresno. Oh, I, I remember that drop. When it's we had not that. Fresno. It's not Fresno. You're not in Fresno anymore. You're at the big leagues. So you can have whatever numbers. Tell me whatever. How many? Sky Bolt was one of the greatest <laughs> players in the history of baseball down at Las Vegas. Had that translate. Uh, but I think he's a brewer now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Stop. Stop giving me numbers in the minor leagues. It helps get you here, but what do you do when you get here? How are you going to stick? Are you going to stick? Don't tell me. I oh, in Vegas, you had a. Oh, yeah. Michael Taylor. Remember all those phone calls? You weren't even around. Michael Taylor, Chris Carter. I used to take those phone calls Michael every Michael Taylor night. went to, to Texas? Like, University of Texas, right? Or is that Michael no, no, Choice? No, no, no. He went to, like, University of Arlington or something like that. Look it up. Michael Taylor, I want – it's something Arlington. Texas of Arlington, Arlington University or whatever it is. Because there's Michael E. Taylor who plays in baseball right now. I don't want to confuse him with this Michael Taylor. He went to – Oh, okay. Uh, actually, he went to Stanford. <laughs> Who went to Arlington? I think it was Michael Choice. Michael Choice. Yeah, Michael Taylor. That's right. He went to Stanford. Michael Choice went to? Something Arlington. University of Texas at Arlington, yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember doing the interview with him going, man, you grew up right, right. I mean, I don't Where did he grow up? Fort, well, he said he was born in Fort, Fort Worth. Fort Worth, yeah, but he spent a lot. He went to Ranger games. I remember Michael Choice. But I met Carter and Taylor, Carter and Taylor doing the Ace Post Game Show. Carter and Taylor, Carter, Carter ended up having a little bit of a, you know, at one point led baseball in home runs. He was a good player. Well, home run hitter, not a good player. But, but. yeah, he had a career. What I'm not going to take that away from him. He what? had a career, but everybody thought Carter and Taylor are going to be the stars of baseball, and they're going to be A's, the Twin Towers. And Why is he not coming up? I mean, Carter went out of – had a bunch of bombs in Milwaukee, and then we never saw him again? He, correct. Uh, Chris Carter. Let's see. Chris Carter, 158 career home runs. Yeah, the year it was – yeah, Milwaukee. He played in 160 games in 2016 to eight twenty. Led 40, baseball, yeah. yeah. 41 home runs. He hit, over th- he hit over 35 home runs twice. Houston one year, then two years later with Milwaukee. But what But what do you see there? A lot of strikeouts. And what else? Low batting average. Low batting average doesn't matter. What else? Uh, oh, his OPS isn't very good Guess either. what? Batting average starts to matter when it's that low. You want to know when batting average matters? When you don't hit your weight. Take that to the bank. Like, like Cody, over the years, tried to, oh, batting average doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. 245 is what he weighed. When you, when, when you hit below your weight. He's never, he, never hit his, he never hit his weight. Look at that. Guy hit 41 home runs the next year he's out of baseball. Why? There's 30 teams. You're trying to tell me 30 teams looked at a guy that hit 41 home runs. 222, 41 home runs, 206 strikeouts. He had 94 RBIs, and everybody said, yeah, no thanks. You can't play defense. You don't make contact. Running into 41 home runs, everybody said, Yankees gave him a sniff, gone, never played again. He actually, his career – his career OPS plus was actually 108. Why didn't anyone sign him? Uh, yeah. He was 30 years old. He was in still the prime of his career. So on base percentage wasn't very good either. Actually, not bad. I mean, uh, well, 312 is on the lower end. So when you tell me average doesn't matter, I'll always go, hey, t- uh, tell me how, how it worked out for Chris Carter. For some reason, this this I'm going to see if I see if I'm correct. 
Rick Porcello popped in my head because I think he got called up to the from to Detroit from like low A. The great Rick Porcello. He pitched yeah in two thousand eight. He pitched in high A, going eight and six. Where two- is high A for the? It was Lakeland back Lakeland, then. Lakeland, Florida. Yeah, and so, that wasn't that their spring training too. I probably that might be. Uh, eight and six with a two, two six six that year in twenty four starts. The next year he was pitching in the major leagues for the Tigers at t- age twenty. <sighs> I mean, got called up from high A directly to the majors. And it was year. like crazy when we called up Jordan Diaz. Like, why is this crazy? He's hit. He's what, 22? Diaz is, yes, 22. I mean, why not bring him up? You're just wasting at-bats in the minor leagues. I think he just turned 22. Yeah. yeah. He, he turned 22. What was he hitting? In the minors? Uh, what what did he have to prove left in Las Vegas last year? In two uh, between in Vegas last year, he hit three forty eight in Midland. He hit three nineteen. Uh, great, he's hitting three forty eight in AAA. How, how long are you gonna keep doing that? Yeah, three nineteen in, in Midland. And what do you want games. him to win the batting title in Vegas? Who cares? I mean, he's playing in the uh, uh, what league is this? The Colombian Winter League right now, uh, or he was. He's hitting three thirty nine. Well, Melissa said he just hit a home run. Oh, last he's in night. the he's in the Caribbean World Series. Uh, but in, in the and the Colombian Winter League, he said he's hitting through a hit three three thirty nine. Hey, sometimes you you got a guy, and and I said it last year. I said, you know what? What, what impressed me the most about it is they know he's got nowhere to play. Who poo pooed me on that? I said I think it speaks volumes that the A's, who are never or haven't been in recent years, looking to elevate young players fast, they brought this guy up. With no position. They put him at second base. He didn't even play second base. At the big league level. Hey, um, you got an infielder's glove? Go play second. That's how much I I think they believe in him as a hitter. That they went against their norms. He doesn't have a place to play, but he can hit. And he really can hit. And he's young. Might as well. Someone was like, well, it was the end of the year. Well, how many times do we see them go, it's the end of the year. Just bring somebody up, even in bad years. Not very often. That young. There's something. I don't care. And David Forrest could say I'm a moron, which he has said before. Um, (laughs) But I think there is something that Diaz, they looked at and said, this kid's special. And we got to see. We want to see him compete against the best. There's nothing left for him to do in Vegas. Nothing. You've already seen what he can do in Vegas. Problem is you got to find a position for him to play. But Diaz, the fact that they brought him up, I think it speaks volumes. I just don't think it was a, hey, flip a coin. Should we bring him up? Yeah, okay, let's bring him up. I think it was calculated. I think they saw something. And Because, first of all, why would you bring a guy up if you didn't have a position? You want to talk about hurting a player? Let's expose him. Why would you do that to a 21-year-old? Let's bring him up and expose that he has no position? Why would you do that? That's not smart. They believe that much in his bat. Bring him up. Who cares what he plays? Let's see him hit. So I think that's a good call by you. I I, I, I I would say, and I would bet on it, and you know I'm not afraid to make one, um, There, he's really high on their list. They're not really talking that much about it. So, we, you know, oh, Geloff, Soderstrom. I bet Diaz is this guy that deep inside the walls of Jack London <laughs> – Inside the walls down in Mesa, they're all going, we got something special as a hitter here. When I was in the office the other day, all of our scouts and stuff were in the office. Uh, saw the great Billy Owens, Scott Hatterberg. What would you say to him? 
well, they were all wa- they were all walking into a meeting. I didn't really get a chance to talk to any of them. I did hear this yesterday. I texted you about it. Apparently, there's this big uh, pickup basketball game that happens in Arizona during spring training that AJ Preller and his guys play. Apparently, David Force is a big uh, place in pickup basketball. We're going to have to talk to him about it next time we see him. What's this? Tim Kirchner plays. David Kirchner's a big basketball guy. Uh, John Shea plays in these games, apparently. Force is a hooper? Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I'll have to ask him about it. How do you see Force? You see him as a low post guy? Is he hanging out toward three? Strikes me more of a more of a guard. You think he's a guard? You think he's playing? Yeah, you're pl- he's playing out by the three point line. I don't know. I don't he's know. not in there banging, getting rebounds. Yeah, I don't. I don't see him doing that. Now Kirkshin, yeah, I see Kirkshin getting some rebounds. The five six. Kirkshin's like five four. Uh, I think it's five. Yeah, somewhere around there. Apparently, he's a really good pickup player, though. That's what they were talking. Preller and Buster were talking about on the podcast yesterday. He's legendary. He's like a hooper. Yeah, he's a big hoops guy too. And Preller's not a big dude either. Yeah, so apparently a lot of these guys play in these games. I'm, I would love to be just a fly on the wall just to hear and, and see what they watch, what, watch these guys play pickup basketball like 5.30 in the morning in Arizona. And you always wonder, like, why would they make that deal? These guys all. I mean, look, Preller and Forrest are playing hoop together. How many deals have we done with the Padres? Yeah, well, it's. Have you noticed there's certain, look at the great relationship between Cashman and Bean. Who do we always do business with? The Yankees. Now it's the Braves. Preller and Force play hoops together. Who do we do deals with? San Diego. Yeah, we do deals with Braves. Like, there's certain teams we do deals with because the relationships, it's business. You do you do business with people you are comfortable with. Did we not cover – what did we miss that we'll have to hit on Monday? By the way, I'm going on Mariners something on Monday. Uh, I have been booked for Mariners on Monday. I'm going to bring it strong – up in the Pacific Northwest to let Jerry DePoto, Trader Jerry, and let Service and the rest of these clowns know we're coming for them. Well, it sounds like it'll be a good time. They're probably going to do a preview on the A's, uh, as we mentioned. I, I did reach out to Jim Bowden. He never got back to me. He probably ranked the A's uh, 30th and said uh, something about it. See, there's relationships. Maybe he doesn't have a good relationship with Bean or Force because yeah. he always dogs us. He does, for sure. Um, to where other guys like uh, G- uh, Dan Duquette. Jim Duquette. Jim Duquette. The Duke. His, yeah, not Dan. Are they cousins or brothers? They're cousins. They're cousins. Jim Duquette always has, hey, listen, the A's, he has respect. He has a great relationship with Billy. So maybe Bowden and Billy just don't have a great relationship, and that's why over the years Jim Bowden of The Athletic and CBS Sports and who Sirius else? Sirius XM. Sirius XM. Big leagues us. Yeah, uh, we're we didn't get into the sleep thing, and I did book Anthony Kastrovitz who wrote the article about the pitch clock and how it's going to help player health and sleep and all that. So we can talk to him about that and well, baseball overall. He's a national writer. I'll give you a report from Pebble Beach from what I saw Sunday's action. If you see me at the course, say hello. I will be at Pebble all day long on Sunday. Uh, back on Monday, I'll tell you about my. Heated conversation with Mariners people. I'm doing it at 11:30. We're on at one. I will stick to my guns. Well, I hope it's a. I hope it's a really good conversation. Let us know where to find it. I have no clue. Well, they'll tell you that. I was booked earlier today. I'm, I'm, I'm sure going to give him a piece of my mind. I'm sure I know who the guy was that booked you. I think I knew who it was. Tell you what, where's your NBA team? Maybe I go into that. Ooh, yeah, I'll go deep. How are those sea chickens doing? Ask him about uh, what other team. Oh, 
The Kraken actually aren't having a bad year. Second year in the league, they're actually not that bad. Well, they they paved the way for these expansion teams. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, yeah. Vegas went to Stanley. Well, they Stanley Cup like their first year. Yeah. It's ridiculous. All right, that's going to do it. We want to thank Eno Saris from the Athletic. We want to thank Melissa Lockhart from the Athletic. God, do, can we promote the Athletic anymore? Uh, I don't think anyone does it better than us. So we want to thank the Athletic and Eno <laughs> and Melissa for stopping by A's Cast Live. Have a wonderful weekend. Just know. When we come back on Monday, it is going to be February 6th. We're essentially a week away from pitchers and catchers. A week away. It's game on, folks. The season is right around the corner. And who knows? That's why you play the games. You never know how it's going to play out. But thank you for watching A's Cast Live. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday at 1 o'clock. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.